When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Payoff pitch and Wallace drills this one to deep right field. That's way back. Way gone. Walk off home run. Skyler Wallace and Alabama advances to the semifinals as that one went off of the SEC now set in right center field. The payoff to the SEC player of the year. Looking on the outside corner, and the pitcher of the year goes nuts as Sarah Cornell strikes out Abby Cheek. Oh boy, what a moment for the Hofstra transfer, and the side is retired. The 1 0 is drilled to deep center field. Way back, way gone. Get out the mustard and the right. Sides. This one is hit high and hard, out to center, drifting way back, and gone! KB Sides, are you kidding me? The swagger, Alabama with a huge, huge three-run shot. It's 5-1, to one, Crimson Tide, pandemonium at Rhodes. The party's getting started, Tom. 1-1, one, one. and that ball is driven to deep left field. That's way back, we're gone! Another three-run homer for the Crimson Tide here in the bottom of the first inning. It's 6-0 Alabama. What a moment for the senior Mary Schroeder, and what a first inning for Alabama as Kelly Barnhill, in what will probably be her final game at Florida, has been chased in the first inning. Payoff pitch to Hardy. That one is lined through to center field for a base hit. Go! Chloe comes home. The throw is through in time. And Alabama walks it off. So a single by Caroline Hardy. And we're playing again in 30 minutes. Welcome back to another episode of the Out of the Box podcast. We hope it is sunny where you are because it sure as heck is not here. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury, holding things down once again. Tom, are you staying dry? No. Is it ever going to stop raining? No. I just, my gosh, we, we got unbelievably got three days of dry weather for the Bama Bash, but right after that, rain. Here it comes again. I have said if it rains during the week, so we have clear weekends, that is a trade-off I'm willing to make. However, right. if it just wants to 
you know, not rain at all or rain at 2 a.m. That'd right. be fine. Stop having well. floods of biblical proportions, please. I have not finished my arc. I'm not no, prepared. No one's ready for that. We got a big show Huge. coming up. We yes. are excited about softball again because things are happening. Right. I like the sport. Hashtag once again. nobody is safe. Nobody. Nobody. We officially got that going this weekend, more <laughs> or less. We've got. Trending statistics. In, trending in multiple podcasts now. Yes. Everyone agrees. <laughs> Nobody is safe. We're going to talk about that later. We're going to start at the plate as we go around the bases. You can follow along as we proceed. We're going to talk about the Bama Bash and what Alabama was able to do here at home over the weekend. Then we will advance to first, talk upsets, its craziness. We'll talk SEC. Even crazier, the SEC maybe not the best conference in college softball this year. Something something odd is happening. I don't know how to describe what's going on, mm. but that's where we are. Then we will right. steal second with the great Jen Schroeder. Hopefully, Rachel Garcia is with her this time, but if not, Jen is awesome. We finally <laughs> got her back. Got her out of the brewing bubble. Yes, <laughs> out of the brewing bubble to come and chat with the out-of-the-box boys. And then we will round third. Our first mailbag episode for Ooh, the 2020 yes. season, which is super exciting. We had plenty of responses. Thank you to everybody for sending along your questions for us to attempt to answer. <laughs> Maybe not well. We'll just work it to try. Yeah, we'll you see just what happens. trust us, yeah. hopefully. And then <laughs> we will finish things off and head home with our top five power rankings. We've got off the wall, including a request from someone. And first ever. Yes. And uh, we've got gear this week again. At the Rhodes house. If someone remembers him. Yes, if I remember, I will admit I forgot to bring the koozies to Rhodes Stadium this weekend. Big, big oops on my, my part. Yeah. I would say you only had one job. You had multiple jobs. I did. But, wow. Still, that, yeah. was, that was a job I planned early in the week. Still <laughs> forgot about it. And I even called myself out on the podcast and said, well, that'd be really stupid if I did that. Uh-huh. And uh turns out I did just that. That's what happened. It's quite stupid. <laughs> Let's start at the plate. And talk about the Bama Bash, a 5-0 and a weekend for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Now 9-5 and five on the season. Four of those wins, the run rule variety. Lots to be taken from this, Tom. But I think the biggest story of all, Montana Fouts is back. I don't want to dump cold water on your assumption of Montana Fouts being back yet. Okay. I, I think she looked great. She was awesome. I need to see her do it against better competition. Okay, that's fair. Before I will proclaim her as completely back, and I think she would probably agree with you. You know, knowing her, she played really well. Penn State probably not going to make the NCAA tournament. Probably not. Louisville possibly. They're going to have to pick it up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I will be more willing to proclaim her back when she does this against Arizona this weekend. I'll okay. be I'll be more ready for that. But that being said, she did really well this. Yeah. Weekend. Well, I would say all change what I said a bit back in terms of more efficient and back. I think there, there was something different in her eyes. It was old Montana. Sure. When she was in the circle, there wasn't the look of panic and she looked like she was having fun again, which right. is good. The whole team did. Yeah. And you know, when you're having more success, that'll definitely help it. Right. Uh, but it, it was odd how the last week in Clearwater, even after Alabama run ruled the number one team in the country, Washington, it still seemed like, Everybody wasn't really having a good time. Right. Everybody had a good time. You could see it in the post-game interviews that were being done uh, with you guys on the SEC Network. The team was having a good time. And I think maybe that was part of the uh, the message this week was, why aren't we having fun? Mm-hmm. You know, we're, you only get, you know, these seniors, this is our last go around. You know, they're supposed to be, in, they're on a really good team. Have fun while you're out there. And I, I think you saw that from this team this weekend. Yeah. 
you know, this team, there was just a different vibe all weekend, even talking to the players beforehand and certainly after the game, there just seemed to be a bigger enjoyment. I, I went up to Sarah Cornell after the, uh, the Friday night games and said, Hey, I was that? And she said, well, we won. Mm-hmm. I said, you did. That's true. <laughs> and yeah, it just went on from there. And I, I think a lot of pieces really came into place this weekend. We learned a lot about the batting order. I think. I did too. You know, we had Skylar Wallace in the four hole last weekend in Clearwater. And it went well. And it, and it went well, but she is in at home at number two. Absolutely. Yeah. Mac at one, Skylar at two, Bailey at three. And we'll talk more about Bailey. We have a mailbag question about Hempill and the uh, lower hitting numbers mm-hmm. and possibly some injury issues from Clearwater. But I mean, KB sides at four. Again. Wow. Just like Skylar Wallace, a move that makes zero sense. I never would have considered it. I think I brought it up. I, if I was remembering a time last year when we were going through the lineups and you know we were saying, well, who should be where? And I brought up KB at the four hole one time and SID extraordinary Nathan Sheehan said, no. We all laughed. We all, yeah. <laughs> and I thought, funny. you know what? You're right. That's done. Right. Well, and uh, Coach Murphy, I asked him about that in one of the uh, pregame interviews. And he said that when they do their get to know you sheet, as the favorite and the least favorite part in the lineup that everybody wants to hit at KB said number four would be her least favorite. Really? She does not want to hit cleanup. And then after the first day, she said, uh, I don't mind it as much. Maybe I don't like it. Shall Maybe I, I read the it. statistics please for Miss Kendall Beth size? Yes. Six for nine for six sixty seven batting average with six runs scored a double, a triple and eight runs batted in with four walks. That'll work. And yeah. That's not even the most RBIs of the weekend no. on the team. Give it to Skylar Wallace, who ended two games in run rule fashion. Mm-hmm. Six for 10, three doubles, a home run, 12 runs batted in. And I think almost more impressive, eight walks. Yeah. She had a great eye all weekend long. She was on base the entire time. And that's so important as the number two hole is, especially, you know, you're trying to get on base for Bailey Hemphill and then everyone behind Bailey trying to protect Bailey if they pitch around her. Um, great job by her and great job by Maddie Morgan as well. Oh my gosh. She had that, that one monster game, but she was good the entire weekend. Yeah. I'll read hers too. five for 11 for four fifty five, a double, a home run, 10 runs batted in. So you're getting it up and down. I thought Taylor Clark obviously had a dream weekend with sure. the senior day home run. Mm-hmm. Abby door. We're going to talk about Abby door later on with Jen, get a catcher's perspective on the freshman catcher. But I think at the plate, she has already grown up. Yeah. immensely because I remember the first day of the season swing 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 she connected on one but right. not very many others is home runs and strikeouts exactly and mm-hmm. now she is waiting she is battling she is taking pitches looking for the one she wants and that's after a week of practice maybe five practices total right yeah and I mean and the, you know stuff behind the plate is going to come uh that's something else we're going to talk with Jen Schroeder about uh, but catching everybody on this pitching staff is not easy. They're all elite catchers, and, and that can be d- tough sometimes to make those to make those catches to have the connection with the catcher with the pitchers. And you know, you take a look at that game against Penn State. It started giving up five runs to Penn State in the top of the first inning. That started because of a drop third strike. Yeah, uh, that's something else Coach Murphy mentioned in a pregame interview. That you know, if if that strike out happens as it's supposed to, that whole inning is different. And then Penn State maybe doesn't score anything or, you know, it does certainly doesn't score five. So those type of things are still there. They're still going to have those issues at times. But I could not be more happy with how the progressions of Abby Doris come already in the first couple of weeks. Yeah, you bring up that Penn State game and I really want to hammer this home. 
because we I tried as many times as possible to bring it up on the TV broadcast because I think it's important because when stuff like that happens, when you give up five runs early, you look for somebody to blame. And I thought Crystal Goodman would get blamed for that, even though she really didn't deserve Wasn't, it. No, because there were there were three plays. Yeah, there was the drop third strike. There was a double over KB side's heads. I think she lost in the sun or just never saw it for one reason or another. And then the three run homer that Alexis Mack had in her glove. And then she slams into the wall and it bounces out right. of the glove over the, over the fence. So there's a theoretically Penn state could have scored zero in that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and all that was going on with nobody out every sure. single one of those plays. But then Crystal Goodman did such a great job after that of settling down and keeping Penn state at the runs that other than the solo home run later, but kept them where they were. Uh, but I agree. I think people were somewhat unfairly blaming Crystal Goodman. Yeah, the official Crystal Goodman stat line after Penn State went up 5 nothing in the first with nobody out, five innings, three hits, one run, no walks, five strikeouts. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. You threw her in the fire. I thought at the time I was wondering internally, I didn't say it on the air, but I was wondering, okay, this Patrick Murphy's going to make a change, but he didn't. Yeah. He, he basically did what Roy Williams does during North Carolina basketball games, when opponents go on runs, Roy Williams will not call timeout. He'll figure, say, deal with it. Figure it out. And Patrick Murphy said, figure it out mm-hmm. to Crystal Goodman. And she did. Yeah. And that's huge because now I think you've got her back at a good mental place this weekend and then the rest of the season. Because one of the reasons why Alabama is so highly ranked despite the record and, and why people think that they are a national championship contender, and I think they're a national championship contender, is because of the pitching depth. Mm-hmm. and Crystal Goodman's part of that pitching depth. You have to be able to go to any of the four pitchers on this team at any time, and they have to be ready and be successful. And, you know, the fact that she was able to bounce back uh, after that type of a start, I thought was great. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to touch on from this weekend? I, I want to commend the fans for coming out. It and was staying. <laughs> and staying. It was not the greatest weather. It was it was great compared to today and the way it has been most of the <laughs> most of the month. Uh, but it got really cold on Friday. Saturday was fine. Sunday got cold again. But the fact that there was that many people out there for a tournament that didn't have any other marquee teams in it other than Alabama, I thought was was great to see. Uh, and, and that just shows you when it was like that, what it's going to be like here these next couple weekends with the Crimson Classic and then T-Town Showdown. Yeah, now we turn ahead. We've got the Crimson Classic coming up this weekend. Before that, there is a game on Wednesday mm-hmm. at UAB, a UAB team that has put a scare into some folks already this season. Yeah, it, it was a rough first year for uh, Jimmy Clytus up there in, in Birmingham, but they've played a lot better here to start off. They haven't necessarily got the wins, but they are they are in almost every game. They've given scares to Washington, Louisiana, uh, some top teams in this country. So it's not going to be a, an easy walkover win for Alabama. They're going to have to go out, go up and play well, as they usually do in Birmingham. Obviously, you're going to have a lot of Alabama fans there as well, but it, it's a big matchup for them, and uh, Alabama needs to be ready to play. Yeah, who do you think throws? I think this is Sarah Cornell time. She didn't pitch much over the weekend, not because she's hurt. I will get to that in our mm. off-the-wall segment. Oh, my gosh. But Just because somebody doesn't play doesn't mean they're hurt. Exactly. However, she's rested. Yeah. She can go out. She's, you know, again, this is no slouch of a UAB lineup, so you need to throw mm-hmm. someone that you trust and, and that has had success and is well-rested, and I think Sarah fits the bill. Yeah, and um, Sarah needs to, when you know, you need to get her ready for conference play. Yeah. I think I think Sarah's going to be a contributor in this in the conference. She's the reigning SEC Pitcher of the Year, for goodness sakes. 
she's going to she's going to play in the SEC. I will say though, based on the big amount of evidence that we've got from last year and the start of this year, I would say that if there is a pitcher who can come into a game in relief and just get in a rhythm immediately and show no signs of stopping, it's Sarah Cornell. I yeah. would put her ahead of Crystal, ahead of Montana, ahead of Lexi, because we've seen all of them come in in relief in their careers mm-hmm. or this season and struggle a bit. Sure, Sarah did at the start of last year, but then pretty much from about early conference play until the postseason, when she came in out of a dugout, she was lights out. Yeah, I could definitely see her... You know, settling in as a, as a closer. Yeah. Bring yeah. her in for the last two innings. Shut yeah. it down. Absolutely. Maybe she comes in and pinch hits and then stays in to pitch. Oh, my gosh. I love it. <laughs> I thought we'd see her more this weekend. Maybe next weekend. Yeah. When uh, Arizona, UT Arlington, and McNeese come to town. We're going to talk about the Wildcats much more. We've got a mailbag question about that. But this is a pretty good field. Now, UT sure. Arlington, 7-7 uh, seven and seven on the year, but they've beaten Texas A&M, who beat Arizona, transited property, and not big in softball this year. <laughs> it is not but something you can go for. A&M is an SEC team, and UT Arlington mm-hmm. beat them twice. Right. And McNeese also beat Texas A&M, and Arizona lost to A&M. So all these teams have played A&M. <laughs> we just need to call Joe Evans and say, <laughs> what do we need to do? Craig Snyder does follow at <laughs> out-of-the-box underscore pod. Sure. If you want to DM us some scouting reports <laughs> on these three. But I think this is a really good test. It's going to be cold again, more mm-hmm. or less. Uh, a little warmer, but, but sure. not too much once the sun goes down. And we're going to see what Alabama looks like in a quasi-regional, super-regional thing. Because th- this feels more regional sure. to me. Nor- UT Arlington's a team you would play on day one. To You win and you play an Arizona. Yeah. And we'll get a good look at what the pitching staff would look like for later on down the road when that case comes up. Now, I said last year that I thought... It was even more impressive Alabama's victory over Arizona in the World Series than even Florida's because of the way that that the way that day went. You know, you blow out Florida, which is great, cathartic. Everyone enjoyed it. It was good times had by fantastic, all. just the best ever. Inject it into my veins. <laughs> I want it in liquid form, and right. I want to take a shot of it right now. Yes, <laughs> one in one vein, and then the Washington game this year, and the other one, it'll be great. We're good, right? But then to come back against an offense like Arizona's had last year. Uh, and Montana Fouts to shut them out later that night to get to that matchup with uh, Oklahoma was just amazing. Arizona, they still have a really good offense, mm-hmm. uh, so you're going to have to play at that level, I think, in the circle because you know we'll see what Alabama can do offensively. We don't know a whole lot about the Arizona pitchers because we haven't seen them because yeah. it was McQuillan last year. We saw Denham for a couple innings. I thought it was baffling when she started in the Women's College World Series against Alabama that – Turned out to be prophetic. And mm. then Mariah Lopez, the Oklahoma transfer, came in in relief a bit in the second game of, or the third game, Alabama and Oklahoma met in the Women's College World Series. Still, though, you know, it, there was a lot happening there where sure. you, you really can't base Alabama's performance off of that and, uh, and judge how effective Lopez is on that game. Well, I mean, we'll see. They got touched up a bit this weekend at mm-hmm. Mary Nutter, and the offense has not come through in key hitting situations the last couple games, but it's still Arizona, yeah, and it's still a team that is going to be ranked in the top 10 once the new polls come out tomorrow. That is going to be really great, and I, I expect there to be a regional, super regional type atmosphere as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. The GoPro will be back. Yes. Actually. I'll ask this question before we go and get ready to advance to first. Is this a Montana, Montana situation against Arizona, or do you throw Lexi for I, one of those games and I would get throw, her ready? I would throw Kilfoyle in one of them. I would too. 
Yeah. Uh, I would, again, it does depends on what happens in the first games, you know, because you're going to play Arl- Arlington first. I think, uh, isn't that how it is on both Yeah, days? Arlington, Arizona, Arlington, Arizona, McNeese. McNeese, right. Uh, so it, it obviously depends on how that goes because you need to win that Arling- those Arlington games uh, if something goes crazy there. But I, I think if you plan it all out, I think you plan Montana one game and, and Kilfoyle the other. Yeah, I see Kilfoyle just going by the by the five. Arlington first game, Kilfoyle. Second game, Montana, Montana. for Arizona. Mm-hmm. First game on Saturday against Arlington. You could throw Sarah. You could you could really – options open there. I would maybe lean Sarah. i do either Sarah or Crystal. Yeah, right. and then that night you've got Lexi, hoping she has not had to come in and relief at any time, and a fresh Kilfoyle against uh, Saturday night Arizona in sure. primetime. And right. then you've got whoever you want. You can then throw either Montana or the other one who you have. Yeah, I yeah. think you'd probably throw Montana and then – one of the in one of the other ones in relief yeah. against McNeese uh, again if everything just goes according to plan which it rarely does no something <laughs> crazy will happen which is why all of you should listen yes on the Crimson Tide Sports Network when you, you Tom and I are in the booth you, you're actually going to come in the booth with me this time. I will be there when oh. was the last time we were actually worked together when was the last time we talked on an Alabama softball game together the Oklahoma State game for uh, in Clearwater I believe wow Right. I'm so sorry because you were yeah you, you you were playing TV over there with with Sydney and uh, and Rachel there maybe. getting my hair done right makeup putting up all the makeup yes You're multiple on HD, ties right I, I don't have to put on any makeup for radio <laughs> and it shows <laughs> well, that seems like a good way to end <laughs> the at the plate segment of a show Tom we've put it in play who are we anyone wow we could be anybody on this Alabama lineup today. Who, who do you want to be? Up to uh, you. Let's go KB. All right, let's be KB. We have hit it we in can, any we can imaginable slap it. way. We can just hit away over the fence. Be Why mad, not? Be angry and glaring when I get hit by a pitch. You can do any of those things. Of course. <laughs> We've been hitting the ribs. We have slapped. We have bunted. We've done it all because we're advancing to first here on the Out of the Box podcast. When we come back, what is going on, uh. Jim Giff? I don't know. This is the college softball world in 2020. Plus, what's going on in the SEC? We'll talk about it. Be right back. Welcome back. We're advancing to first year on the Out of the Box podcast. Gray Robertson and a non-makeup Tom Canterbury here <laughs> in the booth. I, I try to be most days. <laughs> Same. You're good. I wa- right. Let me just clear the air. I wasn't actually wearing makeup. That was what we in the business call a joke. Oh. Yes. Okay. No makeup. I did have hairspray, though. Okay. It, it was okay. windy. <laughs> it was you know? a little bit, sure. It was windy, and I have to talk on camera, which is a little scary. It was also interesting to watch you do a stand-up with, a, with an analyst that was the same height as you. Yes, Props to Sydney Little John because we did not have to use any props. No. And then our regular little block for Rachel Bobo Calhoun was absent, apparently, in all the construction. It got Someone tossed somewhere. Threw it away. So we had to get a suitcase. It was much too big. So anytime we came on camera, Bobo had to bend down uh-huh. and do some basically what looked like squats. It was yeah. crazy. Wow. Craziness in the booth. Pulling back the curtain a little bit. Yes. It's fun. <laughs> and then... We called five spectacular games. No upsets in Tuscaloosa. Thank goodness. I thought there would be one. at As we were watching scores roll in on Friday, I thought, oh, no, this is setting yeah, up yeah. for something to happen. It didn't, but everywhere else it did. Oh, my gosh. And so I'm going to do something, Tom, I've not done on this podcast yet, ever. Wow. Oh. Folks, I'm going to say a cuss word. Now, it's not a bad one, but 
Might want to cover the ears if you're listening. What the hell is happening in college softball? Earmuffs. I don't, I don't get it. And we're going to go over the SEC upsets, but just nationally. Okay, so it starts off Friday, or very early, with Texas State beating Minnesota. 3-2. And then there are some SEC upsets. Again, we'll cover that in a minute. But then you've got Michigan losing over the weekend for the first time to Iowa State. Michigan's first loss of the year to Iowa State, yes. who's not good. No. Or at least they weren't. Apparently they are now. I don't know. Th- there was something in the water in Columbia, uh, South Carolina. Yeah. It, Stuff was happening. Absurdity. And then yeah. you've got all the, what happened in Austin. All right, so Miranda Ellish <laughs> throws a three-hitter but gives up a run. Texas has seven hits on the night, but falls to Duke one nothing because the third out in the seventh inning was caught stealing. Wow. I mean, why and also how? <laughs> right. Duke is a relatively new program sure. rolling in and beating the hottest team in the country. Crazy. And then, I mean, you more got, Liberty over Michigan. They yeah. were down 5 nothing, 5-1 in that game. They came back. Houston beats Texas Tech. Baylor also beat Minnesota. Not not the hugest of upsets, but a tough week for Minnesota. Yeah, Big Ten off to a rough start. And then it all really finishes off, more or less, with Wisconsin taking a 4 nothing lead on Oklahoma and holding on for a 4-3 win. Yeah, crazy. And, and you know, Fullerton beats Arizona State as well uh, to wrap things up. And uh, But it, not just the, the number of upsets, but outside of UCLA, no one's been safe. Right. And even UCLA... I mean, you look at it, it took a dropped ball, more or less, in left field to beat a Florida State team that threw their 4-2 and two pitcher right. against you and had been, to that point, pretty unimpressive at the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational. They only beat a terrible pit team 4 nothing, and they needed a couple extra inning walk-offs to stay undefeated at the Mary Nutter over Florida and Wisconsin. So... I don't know. I'm confused. Shall I read? This is our new The Stat. It's not even Alabama <laughs> no. regulated, but this is it. Right. I've been kept up with this since the first week when I saw, oh, there's some upsets, and that's yeah, fine. I'll yeah. put it in a document. How about this? 59, according to the ESPN rankings, total upsets this year. Now, that also includes, say, Florida over Arizona. Right. But 41 of those are unranked, overranked. That's crazy. That doesn't seem like that happens for no, as much. And I went back, and this is a bit skewed because ESPN, for whatever reason, has the final rankings reflected throughout the year in past scoreboards. But last year, through the Sunday of week three, the total upset number was 18 less, 41. And 13 less, unranked overranked at 28. Nuts. Crazy. Yeah. Why? Well, I think part of it, and we talked about this before, but I think part of it is that there are more good, just more good softball players. Yeah. So they all can't go to these top programs. So these other teams have have better players, which results in a little bit more parity. And then I think the fact that it's early on in the season too has something to do with it. Uh, if this is still the case, if people are, if there are upsets like this once teams get into conference play, then we'll really know that things have just gone totally in the upside down. It'll be crazy. Can you imagine if? To, like like some team wins the Big Ten with nine losses or something like that. Right. Which yeah. is maybe the SEC, I don't even know, yeah. this year. But say the Big Ten. We take them for example. Penn State, 0-5 this weekend in the Bama Bash. They have issues. Yes. What if they go into the Big Ten and they take a game from Michigan? Or, you know, that they, they beat Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Which 
normally would not happen. I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibilities the way this season has gone. So no. Far. And you know what? As you're saying that, that makes me have to say this. This is a message to the NCAA selection committee this year. You got to watch it this year. Yes. You have to watch the games. I know last year that the head of the committee put out the statement that said we can't go off the eye test. Yes, you can. That's why you're a you committee. Can. You can. And you can't, you can't look at spreadsheets this year. No. It's not possible. The RPI is not going to make any sense once it no. comes out. And like we said, the transitive property does not come into exactly. effect this year. We saw it a microcosm of it in Clearwater. You know, Alabama beats Washington. Washington then turns around the next day and hammers Florida State, who had just beat Alabama the week before. Like it just for those three teams, you still have to be able to not just look at a box score or look at a final score. You have to see how the teams play. Yes. And and how that all works. And you have to see how they play against teams that know them. That's one of the reasons why you don't see as many of these upsets in conference play is because Michigan knows what Penn State has. Mm -hmm. They're not going to jump out. They're not going to surprise them with anything. If they are able to get some wins, then you have to take that even more into consideration. What is going on in conference play does matter. Yes. If Alabama wins the SEC by four games again this year, it should matter. One would hope. But I think the main lesson here is got to pay attention. You need to be paying attention all year. Right. Because this is a year where things are going to be different you're not going to have any teams. I, I don't care how good UCLA is. They're not getting through the regular season 51 and four or no, something like that, like we've seen mm-hmm. in the past. They're going to be upsets mm-hmm. up and down for the rest of the year. You might see an Arizona State take a game from UCLA. You yeah. might see a Stanford, probably not a Stanford. Maybe. But who knows? That, I mean, that, that's at the same level of my Penn State possibility. Exactly. So you never know. Right. You got you got to watch these games. You got to know what's happening. Let's dive into the SEC. What is happening in the SEC? (sighs) Okay, I would like to read some data that I compiled about the SEC because I was really going through these upsets. Had a lot of time on your hands. I did. We it was a uh, it was a boring Sunday. We ended (laughs) early. Thank you, Skylar Wallace. Right. So a little bit concerning for the conference of the. 59 total upsets, according to ESPN rankings. The upset losses by the SEC is 26. That's nearly half. And the only upset wins out of those 59 from the SEC is eight. That's Mm. a bad percentage in the red for the SEC. I think part of it is Ole Miss should not have been ranked in the preseason. We all knew that. Bottom line, the conference is not making much sense right now. No, and, and as we said, even when it happened in the first week, a lot of those teams, the Auburns and the Mississippi States, Missouri, Arkansas, to an extent, those type of teams, they were getting the benefit of the doubt because they were in the SEC. So they were getting ranked uh, lower in the top 25, but still ranked because they played in the conference. But then they ran against some teams that were able to take them out, and, and they've done so, um, including this week. It was, a, it, was a, it was a rough week for the conference outside of the Bama Bash. Yeah, let's talk first about Arkansas. Shut out by Montana, the team, not the Fouts. Yeah. Five nothing. Five runs for Montana in the top of the first, and that's it. That that's, was all, it. that's all I could do. That from the, I think going into the weekend, they were the top, yeah. the top batting average, top on base percentage, the most efficient offense in the conference. Couldn't get more than three hits against the Grizzlies. Mary Half had to save them in the first inning and pitch the rest of the game, but it didn't matter. And right. that is the danger with Arkansas, I think. They're going to lose games like that all year long. 
they're going to win some games because yes. they have that offense. They have the ability, but yeah, they are going to lose some games that they shouldn't. Uh, there's no excuse for them to lose to Montana. Zero. Arkansas should be undefeated right now. They have played That's one amazing. power yeah. five team. Yeah. One. Right. It doesn't make sense. Does not. Let's talk about Florida. Four and one at the Mary Nutter. Looked really good. Frankly, now mm-hmm. we can't really watch the games. I'm not paying for flow softball. Sorry, no. not sorry. But no. a win over Arizona, a win over Arizona State, a win over Northwestern, all pretty close games. And then a 5-4 loss to UCLA where they led for the majority of that game. It does look like Florida is going to be a thing, as always. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think they are gonna gonna be a problem in the conference. But the way things have gone, they could turn around and have a bad week this week. Who knows? Who knows? And they will get to who they're playing later on. Yeah. Charlotte Eccles hitting four sixty-three to start the year. And Natalie Lugo, one four oh ERA. Tim Walton found her, and apparently she got better while she was wandering the wilderness. <laughs> I don't know. Georgia. Just what 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 is what? going on in Athens? Right. Here's the thing. So Georgia, when they, they usually have these tournaments, the Red and Black Classic, those type of things. Yeah. And and they bring in the Bethune Cookmans of the world to play in these type of things. Elon. Elon. Yeah. Elon Stetson comes in. Uh, nothing in those programs, but those are the caliber of teams they usually bring in. They brought in James Madison this year, which is pretty usually pretty good. James Madison, a good team. They're not top twenty five caliber at this point. Uh, we saw them in Clearwater, uh, but they're, you know, upper level of a mid-major. They'll be contending for regionals and maybe a super regional depends on how things go. But and James Madison, especially in the first game, hammering them, just abs- just dominating Georgia. Look like, wow, big time, big time beat down in Athens of Georgia. It's 11 to six going into, I believe, the bottom of the fifth inning. Georgia proceeds to run rule James Madison in that inning. Didn't sure, not sure how that's mathematically possible, but they did it. It happened. <laughs> that's the way it goes. Lou. And then they run ruled him again the next day. Right. Outscoring James Madison in two games, 32 to 16. 32 runs, Tom. Amazing. Sierra Bryan mm-hmm. is kind of throwing herself into potentially early talk SEC player of the year conversations. She's 20 of 50, hitting 400 with eight home runs. Eight of her 20 hits have been home runs and 24 runs batted in. That's not a work at a work. Yep. Yes. Georgia. I like them. I, I have a lot of faith in them. That offense can be scary because JMU, honestly, Alexander, good pitcher. They don't have anything else behind her. Right. There's a reason Alexander was not pulled in that first game until Georgia was leading 15, 11 because <laughs> there were no other options. Right. So we'll mm. see what they can do against really good overall pitching and a pitching staff. Kentucky goes to Samford. And, you know, takes care of all the regular teams, beats DePaul, beats Sanford, wins a game 10-9 over a Georgia Tech team that had looked meh at mm. best opening mm-hmm. weekend and then loses 7-1 to the Caroline Hardy Yellow Jackets. Yes. And we're never really in it. Good job, Coach Carroll. Well done. I don't, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Again, Kentucky, always an enigma. Yeah. Um, they've had crazy games like that all year long. We talked about the Boise State game they had. Last weekend, that they can win win games two one, they can lose games two one, but then there's going to be a lot of you know ten nine type games for this Kentucky team. So that they just continue to be an enigma that kind of keeps you not being able to properly rank them. You don't know yeah. where, you know where they, you don't know where they stand. They could be a top ten team. They could be outside of top twenty five. Yep. Team ERA of three sixty one. Autumn Humes ERA is five thirty two right now. That's not good. You know whose ERA is really good? Uh-huh. LSU's first in the conference. Here they and go. 
This is pretty impressive. Mary Beth Gorsuch, perfect game against Belmont. 16 strikeouts, 21 first pitch strikes. Have you ever seen that? I have not. When I'm thinking about it, you know, Alexis Osorio had the 21 strikeout game. Right. I don't think she had that many first pitch strikes. Knowing Lexi, there's no way. Probably not. No. Even half that, really. (laughs) I've seen some amazing pitching performances. That one's one of the most impressive. Just box score lines that I've ever seen. Yeah. Shelby Wickersham throws a no hitter the day before. Right. LSU. We'll talk about them in the mailbag, but thing, maybe. Mm. We'll see. Mm -hmm. News. Not a thing. Or maybe they are. I don't really know what the heck's going on with Ole Miss. They're five and ten. I've got LOL what in all caps next to the <laughs> note that they beat Oklahoma State. Of course they did, because Oklahoma State beat Alabama the week before. Yeah, so. and then I hear from a friend of mine who was calling these games that there was some drama against Louisiana as that tournament was ending with a player um, getting a bit feisty, saying some things to the Raging Cajuns. So it's clear that there is Ooh. a lot going on yeah. in Oxford right now. Oklahoma State win was shocking. It was great. It was really the first time we've seen the Rebels react like, oh, this is not a lost season. Right. But at the same time, this is still not a good team. And frankly. maybe just some of the, the craziness that happened with Oklahoma State rubbed off on everybody else. Did you hear the story about Oklahoma State literally forgetting their bats in Stillwater? <laughs> so they, they had no bats. Can you imagine being that manager? Oh. Oh, my gosh. No. I don't, I don't even want to. I don't know. Kenny Gajewski, he does follow at out of the box underscore sure. pod. But I can't imagine any coach. I know how Patrick Murphy would react. It would not be good. No, and rightfully so. Yes. That's one of your main jobs, making sure that the team has all their equipment. So there was some sort of uh, big drama with their, you know, their bat representative was able to get some in Birmingham and and brought them over. But they're, you know, didn't get to use their normal bats. And just kind of microcosm of that entire weekend that also included a 13-inning game. That lasted over four hours between Ole Miss and UAB and uh, just lots of craziness. Yeah. All weekend long in Birmingham. Again, and, and that's sure. where Alabama that's where Alabama goes on Wednesday. So yes. yeah. so excited. <laughs> Things are gonna go really well. Yes. Uh-huh. Missouri went three and three mm-hmm. on the weekend. Terrible losses. Now oh. I don't know. I'm not gonna throw Seattle under the bus. Somebody earlier today somewhere I was reading referred to that as a, a good win for somebody. So maybe Seattle will be okay. I consider it a bad loss. If you're Missouri, you shouldn't lose to Seattle. No. You definitely shouldn't get run rule eleven three by UC Davis. No. No, Seattle did only lose to Oklahoma two one also this weekend. Yeah. So that may be one of the reasons why. So Seattle's maybe a good team. Uh but you know, if you're SEC in the if you're Missouri in the SEC, you should win it. Yeah, I think this weekend we really learned the pitfalls of the pitch by committee that yeah. it appears Larissa Anderson is going to have to go with. You're going to lose some games like this. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how they do in conference play. South Carolina, it's, I feel bad for the Gamecocks. Ooh. So Kelsey O is hurt. I've heard it was an ankle. Which, I was, wasn't that what it was last year? Yeah, it was. Yeah. She, she was dealing with just stuff, her knee, her ankle, all year long last year. Now she's hurt again. Mm. Kayla Drotar is hurt. They're throwing random people there was a girl who started on sunday who had not pitched all year yeah against elon almost threw no hitter but well, of course of course she did so and then so promptly what do they do they beat michigan three right. nothing <laughs> as i say it was just it there's it was a weird weekend in columbia south carolina uh and just tough for michigan you lose you lose to iowa state the first day your your first loss of the entire year and then you lose to the host south carolina not not the way that you wanted to go if you're Coach Hutch. No. 
a team that I was really into right. last weekend. And this doesn't, you know, their season's going over because they had a bad weekend in South Carolina. Right. But. but Michigan is the team. They were the team you said last weekend or last week on the podcast that there's going to be a team that we really like that is going to mm-hmm. have something go terribly wrong. And that was Michigan. It was Michigan, but there was another team that had an even worse weekend, Gray. Oh, who was that, Tom? They were a team that had to travel down to Tampa, Florida and the USF Invitational. And boy, it did not go well for the Tennessee Lady Vols. Our apologies to our friend and I believe listener, Brian Rice and Hunter King. Yes, man. It was bad. It was a mm. bad. Now, I actually, I misspoke on TV. I said they were 0-4 on the weekend. They actually opened with a win in six over Florida International. Okay. So good work to you. Good for them. But two run rule losses to UCF, 10 to one and nine to one. And then two one run losses to South Florida, including a walk off two one, three two, eight errors on the weekend. And I look at the team pitching this weekend, 25 runs given up. Only 14 earned is the Ooh. number that sticks out at me. That's not good. It is clear. They miss Ashley Rogers. Callie Turner is fine. She's trying. She really is. But this is not a good team Mm. until Ashley Rogers comes back. And the offense is suffering a bit, too. For some reason, I don't know why. The defense isn't good. I'm not sure what is going on. Yeah, which is, that was the surprising thing to me. One of the reasons why I was still okay with Tennessee, even with their pitching questions, was because I thought the offense was going to kind of pick them up some. Uh, but they are they are struggling right now as well. And that's just that's not a good look. And, you know, we saw USF in, in Clearwater. Uh, they still had not won a game all season when Alabama run ruled them. But then they won a couple in Clearwater. And we said they were better than their in their record indicated. Yeah. And, and they kind of showed it here this past weekend. Uh, but still tough, bad losses for Tennessee. Yeah, I said last week, oh, it's a trap weekend for Tennessee. Feels trappy because I wrote down the South Florida games. Yeah. They had already lost twice before they even played the Bulls. Right. So and UCF's not a bad team. No, they they should be ranked this week. If right. they're not, I'll be very surprised. Yeah, but probably not sweeping Tennessee, run ruling both times. Good. Yeah, Texas A and M tough schedule up in the Mary Nutter. Mm-hmm. We joked last week. Why, why? are they playing these games? Like oh, why? Joe Joe's just getting ready. She's yeah. she just wanted to get one more vacation in before she retires and Craig Snyder takes over. No, apparently not. A and M really fought hard and played well. I was very impressed by the fact that they were tied with Oklahoma in the seventh. Mm -hmm. I was impressed that they beat Arizona, but more so I was shocked that they were down five, nothing against Arizona and came back to win seven, six. Yeah. That was one of those games where you see it go five, nothing. And you say, well, we no real reason to to follow this game anymore. It's over. And then turn around all of a sudden, Arizona has given up the lead. You're like, what? (laughs) I mean, Mackenzie Herzog is hitting 451 this year, which is good. And the team ERA is only 234, which if they can keep it around there, that's that's good enough to make an NCAA tournament. Sure. And it's amazing that Herzog may be be contributing more offensively than she is even in the circle. Her her transfer might have more of an impact, I should say, offensively than in the Yeah, because it seems like the biggest games of the year, A&M is going with Kendall Potts, which mm-hmm. I would not have expected. No. I thought she was just okay last year. Pitched the game of her life against Alabama. Of course. But, you know, she I didn't see anything special from her. Mm-mm. And they threw her against Oklahoma. They threw her to start against Arizona, and she pitched really well. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe A&M's good. Maybe Craig Snyder 
is going to be there for a while as an assistant. Maybe so. Until Joe retires out of her choice and not the university saying, hey, it's time. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Bottom line, though, as we wrap up this portion of the show. Yeah. (laughs) That is the bottom line. I mean. Craziness happening. So that means, you know what this means. When we do the advancing to first part of the show and talk about the conference like we always do during conference play, Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about some crazy crap. Of course we are. There's going to be stuff. There's going to be stuff that happens. A&M's going to sweep Florida or something like that. Like, there's yeah. going to be something that goes incredibly awry. That there are going to be weekends where we are going to be doing Cook's Best Control scoreboard updates with our jaws on the floor, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Yeah. As long as they don't involve us, I'm right. here for it. It's one of those things, again, I wanted upsets and Cinderella's. I should have been more specific. Please speak with a <laughs> solid and clear thought in your mind, Tom Canterbury. Oh, look, what, what's that? In the distance, through the rain... It looks like we've got the sign. Yes. We've got the sign. Green light, guys. We're we out. are the Bailey Hempill. <laughs> that is my favorite stolen base of the year. Always. That is the best. It is a good, I, I enjoyed calling that one. Fifth stolen base of her career. I know. Yeah. Adding to the Alabama career statistics. That's why she should be on the wall. That's sure. the picture right. I need on the wall for <laughs> Bailey. <laughs> Sliding in head first a second ahead of the throw <laughs> as she is. Not a green light, still a flashing yellow light. But Yes, definitely know, flashing yellow. She gets it. She gets it sometimes. She gets it. She got one this weekend. And now it's time for us to do the same. We are stealing second here on the Out of the Box podcast. Jen Schroeder is here. We got her. Yes. We got her back. Got her out of the bubble. Yep, that's right. She is here and ready to talk to us on the Out of the Box podcast. Jen Schroeder will be here on the other side when we get back. Welcome back. It is time for the Stealing Second portion of the show on the Out of the Box podcast. Gray Robertson and Tom Canterbury here in the studio and on the phone. You love her. We got her back. She is here <laughs> for the first time in season two, former UCLA catcher and member of the Bruin Bubble and also a frequent contributor on the Seven Innings podcast, which we are contractually obligated to say because last time we did not, Jenny Dalton Hill got benched from an episode. She is Jen Schroeder. Jen, welcome back. It is so great to talk to you. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It is so we, much fun. We, we got you out of the car with Rachel Garcia this yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <Yeah. laughs> to, to be fair, though, I, too, would have skipped I, a show yeah, to drive right. with Rachel Garcia back from a party <laughs> with multiple Rachel Garcias. That was the weirdest thing. So, to be fair, let me just tell you that the UCLA team didn't tell anybody that they were flying into Orlando Airport and not Tampa. So, we were all waiting for them between 6 and 6.30, and then they got to the house at 8.30, including Rachel. And so, Rachel Ubered an hour and a half to get there. I'm like, no, 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 no. Come on, Rachel. Come on. Yeah. We, yes. we cannot so, have our star Olympian out. Ubering. No, we, no, no, that, no, that's not happening. No, <laughs> we need to take care of her. <laughs> well, Jen, it has been crazy uh, in this sport that we love called college softball. We try and talk about it like we know anything that's going on. And then we see a couple curveballs and drop balls that just make us look silly on a swing. So I will be broad with this first question. What in the world is going on with this sport and all the upsets that we've seen so far? I mean, it's crazy, right? Nobody could have predicted, I mean, just three and a half weeks ago that we would be where we're at today with all the upsets, big wins, just people performing well, people performing not so well. 
it's been wild. To answer what is going on, I truly have no idea. And I'm trusting that the sport's going to work work itself out and be a little bit more predictable come really end of May is all I'm really worried about. I'll even (laughs) give it through April. But I'm, I'm thinking, oh, my God. I mean, we cannot predict who's going to win what ball game on any given weekend for the past four weeks of college softball at all. It's crazy. One of the things I've noticed is not only the upsets, but there are a lot of times where truly superior teams are having trouble, you know, winning games like two to one in games that they should be winning eight, nothing in five innings. And just wanted to ask in general, um, how important do you think it is when you are one of the elite teams, elite level uh, to play well in those type of games where, you should just be handling your handling your business very quickly. I mean, it's crucial, especially come April, May, of course. Uh, I think in February we do tend to see this a little bit more because, one, people are getting comfortable. Two, people are trying to earn a starting spot. So there are people who you think should be starting, who maybe aren't, who are getting, you know, mild opportunities. And then, three, you've got pitchers who haven't thrown in this rigorous live competition in a long time and are now trying to win a huge ball game. I mean, it's frustrating as a fan, I think more so as a player, right? Because when you're a fan, you're like, let's go. I mean, we should be run ruling this team, but as a player, you're just trying to work through things and probably even a coach you're trying to work through things. Uh, but I, there's so many examples, right? Like I think that I tweeted earlier today, it was, Let's see, Alabama run rules, Washington, right? And then Washington just absolutely handed it to OU this weekend. And then UCLA took care of Alabama. And then there's a billion stories of that in between. But then you see a really great matchup from, say, a number one UCLA and an unranked Wisconsin. You're like, wait, what is going on here? Is Wisconsin really that good? Uh, Is UCLA not playing well? And it's tough to get a gauge on who's truly a top 25 team at this point of 2020 softball, because everybody's beating everybody right now. The scores are varying so much. So it's hard to not get frustrated as a fan. And if you're a player or a coach, you're just trying to stay consistent to your own game plan. So you're not letting that frustration turn into anything bigger than it needs to be. Jen, is this finally the year? And I know you said you think it's going to all even out by the time we get to the postseason, but is this finally mm-hmm. the year uh, that we get a Women's College World Series, kind of like the one that we got back in the early 2010s, or we had some unseated teams there, some major surprises in Oklahoma City? Oh, what a loaded question. I mean, <laughs> it's, tough. it's tough because you can say yes. Like you can say, well, even, even a team like Minnesota, right? They made it last year or in Oklahoma state, they made it last year, but are they supposed to be, and I've used air quotations, right? Supposed to be at the world series. Uh, Some people are going to say, yes, absolutely. Some people are going to say no, but if you go back, like my last playing year was 2008, right? There were certain years where Hawaii was there. Northwestern was there. Oregon state was there. Like it was, Yes, UCLA and Arizona were mostly always there, but there was a little bit more variety. And you look around the sport, and you've got more people than ever saying that there's more parity in this day and age, yet I feel like there's more consistency over the top eight teams who are at the World Series. So I can argue both sides. I can argue, yes, there's going to be a 
Wisconsin or a Louisiana or a team like that at the World Series. And then I could say, no, I think by the time May comes, it's going to be UCLA, Arizona, Washington from the pack, and then we're going to have Alabama and maybe even Florida. They played really, really, really well this weekend. And these consistent teams who have been, you know, consistent members of the World Series over the past decade. So I'm definitely not answering your question, but I'm <laughs> giving you a little bit of history sure. over what's happened and transpired in our sport. Talking with Jen Schroeder, former UCLA catcher, and uh, Jen, we. Unfortunately, Gray and I got to see up close UCLA play an outstanding game against Alabama in Clearwater and Megan Fremo just uh, just unbelievable in her matchup against Alabama. And she's been just awesome all year long. What is what has made her so good this season? You know, Gray, I know you text me after that game and you said, is that the best you've ever seen Megan? And it's a tough question to answer. And I'm speaking as an alumni fan right now. It's a tough question to answer because she's never had to be that number one pitcher behind Rachel Garcia. She's won really big games, but she's never had to be that pitcher. Okay, the what I witnessed against Team USA this past Sunday was nothing short of incredible where she was not supposed to throw on Saturday at all. We were facing Wisconsin and we were facing Florida and we were going to let Lexi Sosa, the freshman, get the ball and then Holly Acevedo get the ball. And she was going to sit and she was going to be ready for Sunday because obviously we need to save some bullets. She ended up having to throw 13.2 innings on Saturday, so almost two complete games when potentially she was going to throw zero innings. And then it was unsure if she was going to get the ball on Sunday. Holly throws the first game against Auburn. We run rule Auburn. And Good Megan job. Begs. Well done. Good job. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> but Megan begs for the ball, begs for the ball against Team USA. And us alumni are like, yes, oh, my gosh, which is a total ego thing at this point, right? Because it does <laughs> not matter if we win and we need Megan to be healthy come May, come April, come super early June. Uh, but we of course want her to get the ball. So she comes out and we are beating team USA three to one through almost, almost six innings, you know, I mean, and Megan is pitching lights out. I mean, it is an impressive show. It almost made me feel very uncomfortable because everyone in the park was cheering for UCLA. Monica Abbott was hoisting her hands up and down the first baseline, trying to get people to cheer for USA and people were not cheering for USA. Oh no. It made me me uncomfortable, right? (laughs) Yeah. So Megan has a super short leash. It's not worth it. She, any other game she would have stayed in for this game, she wouldn't stay in. So we take her out. She gets a standing ovation at Mary Nutter. It was incredible. Ken Erickson pulls her off to the side as she's uh, leaving the field. And I, I don't know what was said, but I can only imagine it was extremely complimentary. And, and then, of course, I, I text her after. I'm like, I'm just so proud of you. Of course, there's probably some, like, uh, you know, F words in there. Like, I'm so blank proud of you, but <laughs> not going to say it here. And the, her, her, the way that she can just be incredibly gracious, thankful, never get too high, never get too low. Uh, she's an unbelievable human being. And she's not letting any moment be too much. And I think 
you know, having caught some really great pitchers, I think that is the key to a lot of their success. And I see that in Montana too, which they are friends and we're teammates on team USA and complimentary of each other very much. So, but those pitchers, they are always the same pretty much whether they're getting B eight to zero or winning eight to zero. And I think, I think that is Megan's like, I don't know, this kind of ace in her pocket where it doesn't matter. She is an incredible teammate, an incredible person over being an incredible pitcher. And it's really fun to watch. Now, obviously she's getting help too from a fantastic offense. And we'll ask you about that in a minute, but I do want to kind of spin off of something that you said, you mentioned she wasn't supposed to pitch against Florida and Wisconsin, but she had to Mm -hmm. because she was needed in those games because Azevedo and Sosa just weren't getting it done against Florida is a really good team. Wisconsin is a good team. I wouldn't put them in the upper top 20 or anything like that. But is that a concern? Because already so far this year, we've seen Foramo have to come in and save UCLA a couple times and shut down offenses that were getting to the other pitchers. It has to be a concern. There's no doubt. I mean, to me, it's how long can Megan go? And that's not saying that UCLA's offense isn't going to win them most of their ball games because it's really impressive. But most definitely, you're trying to manage the amount of bullets she's throwing and you're trying to develop two pitchers behind her so they can take a load off come Pac-12, come postseason, even regional play as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the World Series, it, who knows? It, it'll be interesting to see what the coaching staff decides to do. I think that we did learn last year that Rachel Garcia can do it, so you can rely on one pitcher. Uh, but I do think that managing the amount of bullets in her arm it becomes very crucial at this stage of the game. And yes, it's a concern, no doubt. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But um, I mean, again, when you've got an offense like UCLA has, you can probably be okay for a while. When you look at the stat sheet, nine players with at least 26 at-bats over 360 batting average, which is absolutely absurd. So It's crazy. I looked at it last night, and my jaw was on the floor. Right? I looked at that exact stat, and I was like, this can't, this can't be real. And then I'm thinking, no, this is real. Whoa. <laughs> well, and the OBP is, what, 477? So how how is this working so well? Because UCLA's got a lot of new people hitting mm-hmm. spectacular numbers this season. I mean, our offense, I hate, I hate to say it's better than last year, but it's better than last year. <laughs> and I hope I don't, I hope I don't eat my words later. And I feel like I'm just the biggest pro UCLA girl right now. Although you would believe that when you watch me cheer at the world series, but I do feel like I'm pretty well-rounded and well-versed in college softball, but UCLA's offense is one of the most scary offenses that I have seen. They are playing so loose. They're having so much fun. I mean, the addition of Maya Brady is obviously crucial and experience of the addition of Genevieve Perez. When you watch her take at bat, mind you, she did not pick up a bat or a ball for almost two years. Mm. It's crazy. She was working at my facility, doing hitting lessons with my dad, not swinging, like putting balls on tees and throwing front toss. And uh, is making a comeback. She's been with the team for a month now. That's it. And when you watch her swing with less than two strikes, you're watching her just take these monster hacks, just huge swings. But then all of a sudden with two strikes, she can hone it in and be really patient. That comes with experience, which, yes, she's new, but she's a veteran when it comes to hitting. Uh, And then just you even look at 
Bree Perez and Kelly Gooden, right? Like our lefties who, which we have six lefties in lineup, but are like true, like slapper, but can hit, you know, fast lefties. And they're having just incredible success. And then I personally think the most underrated player in college softball is Aaliyah Jordan. I don't think she ever gets enough credit. I think she's absolutely scary. She's hitting 550 right now. And I want everyone to know she went hitless day one of the season. When we played Bakersfield and everyone had all those hits, she went hitless and she's still hitting 550. How that happens is unbelievable with 11 walks. And is it 10 doubles? Does she have 10 doubles right now? Something like crazy. Yeah, 10. Only yeah, one home run, which is a little surprising, but she's she I, she was scary. And watching the Florida State game when she stepped in, I I thought, well, that I mean, they're going to score. They're <laughs> they're, they're going to do something here Absolutely. in the 7th. It reminds me, I mean, Haley McClenney is a, is more versatile than Aaliyah Jordan, but there's that same fear. When Haley McClenney steps in the box, you're thinking, well, she's going to be gone. You think that same thing about Aaliyah Jordan, or this is going to be a really hard out. That's, mm-hmm. that's the same kind of feeling that I get. Well, all this UCLA talk is bringing back bad memories for me. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. We can change the subject. It was not our favorite it was, broadcast ever. It was ever. not fun at all. Uh, but, <laughs> but, and one of the reasons why, and this is, it had nothing to do with the actual game, but is because we're in Clearwater and our broadcast, our broadcast position is right behind home plate, basically. We're right behind right. the backstop and it rains during that game. So our all, yeah, there's no covering. All we could do was throw our jackets over the equipment and pray. And, and luckily that, that all worked out, but wanted to ask you about, you know, we have these great, uh, these great tournaments. Now, these great events like the Clearwater, Mary Nutter. I've never been to Mary Nutter or Ju- Judy Garman, but I've heard similar situations and, and stories from them as well, as far as the facilities themselves. Uh, what do you think is the next step for, college softball and some of these facilities as a whole to be able to accommodate the, these size of these events that are getting so much attention now and want, and ESPN wants to cover them. They want to be on mm-hmm. TV, but the facilities really can't handle it. Yeah, this is something that I've been nonstop thinking about for three days because Mary Nutter this year was the nuttiest, no pun intended, <laughs> event that I have ever been to. And Clearwater in is crazy in itself. You saw, if you remember before that Alabama-UCLA game, right after the Florida State-Washington game, there was a, a line for probably 30 minutes of people just waiting to get a seat. There, there were cops there. Nutter, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's unbelievable. Uh, Mary Nutter this past year they for sure over 32,000 people were in attendance um, throughout the weekend and they're saying over 10,000 on Saturday wow that Saturday was the most wild day at a softball park that I have personally ever experienced I, I, I stood for two hours straight just signing autographs and doing pictures two hours straight in one spot it was it was crazy so how do we accommodate I I am racking my brain, my brain. Like, is it downtown Disney? Is it something like a, a spring training complex? Uh, like where can you get a, a good amount of seating where people are comfortable? Because I've got a feeling that it's going to turn some people off because you can't see the right. game, experience anything, use a bathroom, buy a water. I mean, we heard, we heard, we, we got texts from Alabama fans that said, they they went and they would never go back again because they literally could not see the games from where they were having to stand. 
I, I don't blame them whatsoever. So it's real. It's really hard. Like the Disney complex is an option. I mean, potentially, you know, the city of Clearwater coming in with, with some money to redo those fields and create adequate seating because something needs to be done. And I don't know what the answer is. I know there's a lot of really great people working on the answer, but something needs to be done because clearly our sport is growing, which is amazing. But if we can't grow along with it, if these venues can't grow alongside with it, then we're going to lose fans and it's not good. (laughs) Yeah. Cause that's one of the cool, I mean, it's a great thing when you can say, you know, we're going to go and we're going to see Alabama play, you know, against, three other teams that were in the world series last year. And, and you're going to, you're going to get to see him play five games in three days in Florida. It's going to be great weather. You know, it, it's a, it's a great destination place to go, but you, you have to be able to accommodate the people when they get there. Correct. And, you do. It, and I do know that ESPN has that contract at that facility for one more year. Mm-hmm. So for sure next year, it'll be at that same facility and I think a frustrating thing, too, is a lot of people complain about taking the trolley or walking to the other field, which uh, it's about a 20-minute walk to walk yeah. from fields one through four to eight through nine, and parking is not great. Parking's on the complete other side of eight through nine, so it's an even further walk from the parking lot. So I know something has to be done, and I know there's really great people working on the solution. I just hope they come to it quickly. <laughs> and I mean, I know no one cares, but it's really hard to broadcast from yeah. right behind oh, right on blade. And you know, oh, yeah. you don't have all the broadcast or all the media yeah. seats, anyone yeah. trying to give our sport coverage. It's just very, very, very tough. Yeah. And I think that'll all adjust. And, you know, Mary Nutter has been around for a while. And, and like you said, so many people piling in this weekend, a lot of people on Saturday for that marquee matchup between UCLA and Florida. And we, Since we started this podcast, we have had Florida questions, and now it seems like the Florida questions that we had last year and at the start of this year are finally being answered because this looks like a team that is actually hitting one through nine and that has pitching depth behind the ace whose Trilicek appears to be, I don't know, maybe it's Lugo now. I'm not sure, but that's a good problem to have if you're Florida. Same thing. Yeah, this weekend I'm thinking, who is the ace? Now, I do have to say, I feel like, Florida always plays well in California. There's California blood. Tim Walton's from there. So many of their players are from there. I always feel like they come home and they always play well. It seems to be a different Florida team. They played so well this weekend between Trilicek and, I mean, Natalie Lugo stepped up big time for them in key moments. And they've, of course, got some senior leadership. And Sophia Reynoso, who I don't think she ever gets enough credit, she's one of the best defensive players in our game. She always comes through with very clutch hits. Uh, the beginning of the season, they were a big question mark for me. I did not have them slated to go to the World Series. And now after this weekend, I'm thinking, huh, I could see them there. Who knows? And I think the SEC is going to have extremely well-rounded competition. I think that overall the pack is going to have better pitching, uh, but I think that the SEC is going to have some well-rounded matchups. And I wouldn't even count out tough games against the South Carolinas and the Arkansas. I think they're going to win games that people don't expect them to win. And uh, 
even though to bring it to Alabama now, even though Florida is not on the schedule for Alabama, we know Alabama is going to play oh, Florida at some point. In. It always happens. Uh, even Wait, when we think we miss right, it. Because in the SEC, everybody doesn't play everybody right. every season. Right. Okay, right. That's but right. these teams have met the last, what, like nine seasons, right. even though that's been the case. So it'll, it'll happen right. somewhere. <laughs> we'll so, go there right. or you know, for it, supers or something. Something, or something crazy. Here. Here. I don't know. Uh, but could you imagine that super regional matchup? That would be very crazy. I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> if it's because, there, I'm good. <laughs> it's happened. It's happened recently, and I don't. I don't want to relive that. Uh, but taking a look at Alabama now, you know, kind of up and down for the first two weeks in Tallahassee, it was just it was rough. You had two kind of fluky losses when Alabama mm-hmm. had four or five run leads in the seventh inning and lost those. Then you go right. to Clearwater, you play really well and dominate Washington, but then you lose to UCLA and Oklahoma State, uh, which aren't bad right. losses at all, but you know the, the, those, are, those are losses. But then they come home this weekend in the Bama Bash, lesser competition, but really look like they kind of hit their stride. Uh, just what is your, uh, your opinion of the Crimson Tide at this point? Uh, okay, I'm a big fan of Alabama this season. I picked them to win it all. I picked it to be Alabama and Washington in the finals. And I'm not saying you feel like won't be there, right. but I am saying Alabama will be there at the end. I think there's no doubt they're going to be a top five team at the end of the year. I think they're incredibly talented. They're very well coached. And it really doesn't matter if you lose in February. It doesn't matter at all. I think it's actually good. I think mm-hmm. UCLA winning consistently at this point is not good. I think they need to take a loss. Uh, Skylar Wallace is one of my favorite players in all of college softball. She is just something special. And I know transitioning from second to shortstop is not easy. Obviously, youth in the catching position is tough from a battery perspective. Now, she's gonna, the catcher is going to be completely fine. Remind me how to pronounce her last name. Door. Door. Abby Door, yes. E-R. Okay, but there's an E in there, right? Yeah, it's D-O-E-R-R. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Abby door and her mom played at Oregon, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, I mean, even though she just gets cleared, just becomes a part of the team. Like when I was watching that in Clearwater, I'm thinking how hard it must have been to do her job and have just the chemistry between a battery environment. It's not easy. So for all these people who immediately are judging Alabama as a fan, and as someone who supports that program, I'm sitting back thinking, oh, my God, they're going to be completely fine. And I did not <laughs> worry. I really did not worry at all. I think I'm in a very good spot, though, because I'm connected enough, but I'm not too emotionally invested in Alabama, right? So it's mm-hmm. really easy for me to say, uh, hello, look at them one through nine. They're going to be fine. They're going to be there in the end. They just got to figure it out. And I think figuring it out only helps them for April and for May, that they're going to reflect back on these times, these losses, and these big wins, even winning against against, uh, Washington, and they're going to have that in their back pocket, and that's going to be a powerful tool for the postseason or late in the SEC play. But they're going to be fine, guys. I, I I agree with you. I yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we're, we're, I wish you would talk to some of our our fans when when they when they get going on it. But we have an off the wall segment about that coming up. Uh, but one want to give you Abby Doors the timeline of her first week when she got cleared. She gets cleared on Monday, but Alabama's not practicing on Monday. They start they practice on Tuesday. Her first practice with the team, but it's raining in Tuscaloosa like it's been doing for the past year and a half. It seems like so they have to practice indoors. They're indoors on Tuesday. On Wednesday, they travel 
And then they, they practice outside in Clearwater for the first time with Abby actually able to throw down to second base and stuff. Wednesday night, Thursday morning, she's starting. No, it's, I remember I got a photo on Tuesday, I believe, of her catching Montana for the first time. Yeah. Like, and I was like, what? What is happening? And then, and so then, three excited. days later, she catches right. Montana against the number right. one team in the country. Right, right. And yes, and in that first game, in that first game, she gets run. a home run. Yeah, yes, <laughs> of course yes. she does. I remember. I, I was so excited. I, as a fan, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" I mean, I'm rooting for her hard because I want her to do well. And then, you know, uh, you know, people. You talk about fans. You talk about people who make judgments about the ratings. Like last week, I think I talked about this on seven innings where Alabama at the time had a losing record, but they're still playing incredible teams. They still should be ranked, right? And people are all over Abby, like, oh, she's struggling. Or, oh, she doesn't look like she knows how to catch Montana. Well, of course she doesn't. She's never caught her. (laughs) What are you expecting? One of the most elite pitchers in college football. Do you know how hard that is? Like, people have no idea. So I'm excited to see the growth of Alabama this season. And I think you already started to witness it this past weekend. Well, that is us stealing second with Jen Schroeder. We hope that you can continue to see the growth of Alabama sometime this year at the Rhodes house. Maybe maybe SEC tournament. Oh, another live podcast this time. We'll get everybody together early in the week. Podcast of Palooza part two. Oh, yes. Yes. We'll commandeer the SEC now set. Awesome! <laughs> Thanks for hopping on, Jen. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, sounds good. Thank you, guys. That is Jen Schroeder stealing second with Jen, and now it's time to round third here on the podcast. Tom, we've got mail. Uh, oh, we fans want to talk to us. People listen not, and watch. Not fans of us, but no, fans of just fans of sport. Right, yeah, they have questions. We have potential answers, and we'll get to that when we round third here on the Out of the Box podcast. Welcome back. Do you hear it? No, you don't, because we're here in the studio listening to the old You've Got Mail thing on. Yes. We're not actually listening to it, but I thought that would be a clever way to open up our (laughs) mailbag for 2020. Woo! It's time to round third and answer your questions. We've got the music playing. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Now it's time to talk about the things people want us to talk about instead of what I want us to talk about. There you go. Let's open up with a question from at Teske underscore Monica. Is LSU for real? Are they a legitimate contender to Alabama for the SEC? Tom, I cede to you. Uh, unfortunately, yes. I think they are for real. <laughs> it seems to be the case at this point. Um, you, I know it wasn't maybe the best competition in Baton Rouge this weekend, but throwing perfect games and no hitters is not easy to do against anyone. Uh, so that pitching staff is uh, is really good, and they can hit the ball. the The issue with LSU has always been how are they going to be mentally when it comes down the stretch? Yeah, uh, will they have the stretch of the season where they just kind of check out for a couple of weeks? If that doesn't happen, Alabama and LSU, I think, are going to be fighting for the for the ring this year. I wrote down the conference play wounds for LSU the last three seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got the Last four series record, and then the first four series record. Yep. 2019, LSU started 9-3 and three in the SEC. Finished out those last 12 games 5-7. and seven. 2018, started 7-4. and four. Guess had a rain, rain out somewhere. 
finished six and six. So not a huge difference, but still worse. 2017 started eight and four, finished four and eight. So this is not something that is isolated just to last year. This is a trend more or less under these teams. And you got to think that the pitching staff will eventually come back to earth at some point because they're good, but they're not, they're not going to keep an under one ERA once they start playing no. tough teams. No, I, I, I don't expect them to be throwing perfect games and no hitters once they get into conference play. One would weekend. hope. One would certainly hope not. Uh, but just the fact that they are, they've shown themselves capable of doing such gives you, gives you that thought that, you know, they, they are for real. Yeah. They're a good team. Taylor Pleasance, my early pick for SEC freshman of the year. I know I'm sorry, Lexi Kilfoyle. I don't know if her parents listen. I think they do. Right. I apologize. I still love your house and all your food. But Taylor Pleasance is hitting 500 and has had a couple walk-offs this year. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We still got a few more weeks yeah. before those midweek awards comes out. Oh, yes. We got They're lots of time. Awards, I mean, excuse me. Lots of time. Yep. All right. Next question. At Bama Be Rich. Mm. I like it. That's a good name. How do you find the balance between getting your best defense on the field and putting your best bats in the lineup? That's why Patrick Murphy gets paid the big bucks. Yeah. This seems to be the big question, right? Because it is clear, clear that he wants to put Lexi Kilfoyle in, but he can't when she's not pitching. Right. Because you just can't finagle anyone. You have to have Tao in there. Mm-hmm. Um, she struggled a bit. She struggled lately. Maybe you try something out against UAB, have Tao you know, not play, maybe play outfield later in a game. I'm not sure, but either way, that seems to be the big question mark. And that's what he's dealing with right now. And I don't know how to fix it because right. there's really no fix. Yeah. I mean, it, we saw it also as well. I mean, you look at it, I think if you had a first team defense right now for Alabama without Alyssa Brown, because Alyssa Brown obviously is in the first team defense when she's healthy. Absolutely. But, yeah. But you don't have her for a few more weeks. So I think you have Mack in left Johnson in center sides and right Morgan at third Skylar at short Savannah Woodard at second Bailey and Bill at first Nabby door behind the plate. Right. But then, so you want to have Kaylee Tao as your DP, but Taylor Clark's hitting the ball outstanding right now. Better than Tao. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why we saw Taylor Clark in addition to him being her senior weekend, but she earned the playing time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why you saw her play and not Tao on Saturday. Uh, in the and especially on Sunday. Sunday was the one to me that really stuck out because Saturday she started twice. I thought, okay, first start, senior day, makes Mm -hmm. sense. Second start, Patrick Murphy saw something. Right. And then the Sunday start was because she was just hitting the ball really well. Leads the team in home runs. Right. So that that has a lot to do with it. I think ultimately if you have the choice, I either either have to put out my best hitting lineup or my best defensive lineup, you're going to go with your hitting lineup. Yeah. And just, you know, and hope your pitchers and hope the errors don't come at the bad times. Exactly. And uh, I think that's what you have to do. But uh, it's tough to find that balance. I think that that's one of those, you know, which how are we going to put together the puzzle this, you know, in this game? Uh, That's why it's not just, you know, we have a starting nine and this is how it goes because it's every game becomes different. Every player on the Alabama roster is going to have to be flexible this year because there are going to be times when maybe you're not hitting well. And Patrick Murphy is going to say, this player is going in for you. And it's not an offense to you. It's it's nothing about you personally. It's nothing about your season-long performance. It could be because this person has come in to pinch hit two games in a row and gotten two doubles or something, and he wants to see what happens. So everybody's got to realize that there are a lot of people fighting for fewer spots than there are players who deserve those spots. And We'll see how he does it. And even you're going to have to look at it in games that Lexi Kilfoyle is pitching. So far, it has been Jenna Johnson 
playing in the field but not hitting. But Jenna Johnson, speaking of doubles, Jenna Johnson seems to hit a double every time she comes to the plate. Is there a situation where she is not the non-hitting player on the team? It should be noted also she's doing this with a bad left shoulder. Right. She's not swinging full on these doubles Mm -hmm. and still getting solid contact. Right. So, I mean, I could see situations where Savannah Woodard is the person not hitting, even though she's doing well too. Yeah. Uh, So, I don't know. There's a lot of different ways you can go. (laughs) That's that's how you find the balance is it's sometimes it's impossible to find the balance. Just listen to the beginning of the show when we're right. when we go on the air before every game and listen to us save a lineup because yeah. we'll probably tease something yeah. during the uh, conversation before we talk to coach murphy let's move on at mac underscore value i oh. apologize if i'm saying that incorrectly maybe from our friends in louisiana maybe although the question does not pertain to them but uh-huh. of the two remaining undefeated teams who has a potential to beat them. Now, the two undefeated teams remaining are UCLA and Oregon. UCLA's next 10 games, you've got one right off the bat. Thursday, they host Texas. Right. And then Friday, Mount St. Mary's, Weber State, not happening. No, probably Saturday not. at San Diego State, at San Diego, mm, not happening. No. Tuesday, St. John's. No. March 5th, Michigan. Yeah, that's possible. March 6th, UCF. That is possible. March 7th, Boston U and Minnesota. Minnesota, I would say, is uh, is possible. Boston, you beat number one Oklahoma a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, so, but I would be obviously shocked. Uh, so I would look at that and say there are four losable games out of the next ten for for uh, UCLA. I think they will lose one in there. I'm not sure where it is. I don't think they lose to Texas. Texas sums up with Texas. They they blew a huge lead against Lipscomb. Let that game get to 12-11, to 11, final score. They didn't look good in the midweek against a good North Texas team, but not one that you should be struggling with at home. And they lost to Duke, who's fine. But right. Well, maybe they're just, you know, they're learning how to deal with success. True. Uh, Texas has really not been an elite program in a long time. You can make the argument it wasn't since Cat Osterman was there that they were a truly elite program. Last year, they started showing signs of it. It was just a knockdown, drag out super regional between Alabama and Texas trying to deal with it. And then they had so much success in the first couple of weeks. They're like, yeah, we're good. And, you know, kind of started reading their own press clippings and kind of got brought down to earth this week, maybe. Who knows? That, that is my Would totally you pick them to opinion. beat UCLA right no. now? No. no? Where do you think the loss is of those games? For UCLA? If not Texas, I lean Minnesota. Because I think Pfizer can shut yeah. down the team. I would say either, yeah, Pfizer or I don't know, UCF might do it. What if they play Florida State on Wednesday? If so, UCF beats Florida State and and UCLA, they really will hang a banner and say they're the national they champions. And you know what? I might not disagree. <laughs> frankly, <laughs> they are the February national champions of college softball. All right, let's talk happens. about Oregon. They're fourteen and zero. We're going to talk more about them later on in the show. We are Quick teaser, uh-huh. but this is what they've got coming up okay friday drake and a game at tulsa wins mm, probably you should be should be saturday yeah again we say should be this is the year of the upset so mm-hmm. who really knows saturday this seems to be the big the big circle louisville in stillwater and then a game against oklahoma state in stillwater carrie eberly for the cowgirls just threw a no hitter over the weekend yeah so maybe both those games are losable louisville would have to play at an absolute A-plus game to beat them. Yeah. I think Oklahoma Possibly. State will. Okay. But if it doesn't happen, yeah. next up, Illinois-Chicago, no. Seattle, probably not. 
Probably not. Mm. Loyola Marymount. Mm. Seattle again. Mm-hmm. Portland State. I think they lose one of those games in Seattle. Really? Yep. I'm all in just, on Seattle just, now. Wow. Okay. Just, just, this is a Seattle standing. Is that the word? Standing podcast? It is. We I like stand Seattle. I, I'm good for Seattle. I don't like Washington, but I'm okay with, with the actual University of Seattle. You know, they Seattle is a seasoned team. They've played, you know, almost beat Oklahoma. They did get a win over Missouri. They're, you know, they've played some good teams. It's going to be a rivalry game. I bet there are several players on that Seattle team that feel slighted about not being being recruited to Oregon. I think Seattle's going to beat them one of those two games. Wow. I'm writing, Write writing it down. It down yeah, putting right. it down. We, we're going to move on and talk about Arizona. At Macville U again, and also Stacey Tanner, what is Alabama going to need to do in order to be successful this coming weekend against Arizona? What is Bama's chances of winning both games against the Wildcats? I mean, I think they're, they're good chances. Yeah. Especially, you know, the fact that it's in Tuscaloosa is a huge factor. For sure. In picking Alabama to win both those games. Uh, Alabama's going to have to pitch well. Uh, you're going to have to see the same type of performances out of both Lexi Kilfoyle and Montana Fouts that we've seen this past week. Uh, if that happens, I feel very confident in Alabama winning both those games. If one of them struggles, Alabama's going to have to win a, uh, a shootout, which I think Alabama's capable of, but I would give Arizona more of a puncher's chance in that situation. Yeah, Arizona, again, they've got the most feared hitter in all of college softball, Jesse Harper. They've got not necessarily, again, I'm, uh, jury's still kind of out on Lopez and Denham against good teams, quote-unquote, but they've got experience against good teams, so we'll mm-hmm. see how they bring that into Rhodes this weekend. I think it is very possible for Alabama to win two games. I would be shocked if it's not, not at least a split. Alabama if they don't win at least one game against Arizona, that's a big problem. Right. Yeah. I, I, again, the fact that it's at home, uh, you get an opportunity to play an Arizona team. It's going to be a little bit out of their element. It's going to be a great atmosphere, uh, which will kind of lead us into our next question. But I would be stunned if Alabama doesn't win, doesn't at least split. But I, I think Alabama has a really good chance of winning both. Keep the lineup going. Mm-hmm. You, you need to have KB sides be productive as well. Yes. And I also think a big part of that is Skylar Wallace getting on base, something we talked about a bit after the games. You know, Bailey was walked a good bit. She was walked every time first base was open. Yeah. You know when they can't walk her? When someone's on first. So Alexis Mack's going to steal. So that's on you, Skyler. You've got to get on. Yep. And be at first and let Bailey have a chance to drive in the runs. Plug up that first base bag. Absolutely. Let Mm. Bailey hit. (laughs) Let Bailey hit. Okay. We've got three more. At Chad Murdoch 1 asks the toughest environment in college softball, obviously we'll say road. So I'm going to spin this. Mm. We've seen a lot of games on the road, a lot of big SEC games and hostile environments. Yeah. What do you think is the best non-Alabama, Non-Alabama. environment? Well, the reason why I think Alabama is the toughest environment, you know, we may be biased, but Emily I think, P-Tech? well, yeah, Emily P tech, huge, huge part, part of that. <laughs> but Alabama has the largest on-campus facility. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, you know, when it's a day, there's 6,000 people. <laughs> at those games, you know, I think one of the problems with some of these new stadiums being built that are all great is that there's not enough seating. There's not, not big enough. You know, South Carolina is one, one example of that. It's a great new facility, but it only seats 1500 Arkansas as well, right in the same boat. Yeah. Why, why would you do that? Yeah. You're going to play some games in what it seems like an empty cavernous stadium. But once you get into conference play, you're going to be able to fill that with more than 1500 people. If you build the facilities to do that. So with that being said, in the conference, I think Florida is obviously a very tough, 
place yeah. to play. Arkansas can be tough. Uh, one of the reasons why Arkansas is tough is because you don't know what the weather is going to be, too. <laughs> that that can definitely yeah. be an issue. And then uh, Tennessee can be there very difficult just because, you know, you're you're between a water treatment plant and a screeching railroad track. No one's ever really comfortable at no, Cherry Parker Lake. It's impossible to be comfortable. <laughs> and I haven't thought about that railroad in a while, and I just did. And now I'm dreading going. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just wait until <laughs> we have to cross the tracks <laughs> to get home after this. Right. You know, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Georgia actually because I remember yeah. when we went there a couple of years ago. That game, that was a loud series. It now there were a loud. lot of people there. It was Senior Weekend. Yeah. There was a lot happening in Athens, but that was a really loud place. When they're playing well and when they start getting on a roll, mm-hmm. you do not want to play there. Yeah, that's tough. Notice neither of us said LSU. No, I think that maybe just some of that just because I always have a great time in Baton Rouge. So it's yeah. like I I kind of I kind of enjoy the it's it's not. It's not intimidating. It builds me up too. Yeah. Like when they play Colin Baton Rouge, We're I dancing. get excited. I get excited. Oh yeah. So uh, you know maybe that's one of the reasons. Didn't say Auburn either because that's just I just get angry. They throw things at <laughs> right. us. And they they yell at us for not replaying something on the radio, which I don't know how I'm supposed to do that. It can those can be difficult places to play, uh, but it's all about how your mindset going in. I will, before we move on to the next question, send a special shout out to Hillenbrand Stadium at Arizona. We couldn't hear it because they're, mm. we were in the enclosed giant press box, but it looked amazing. <laughs> it looked awesome. It looked really loud. You can see the mountains and everything. is yes. good times. Yes. Yeah. It looked like people were screaming their heads off. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. But I assume that was what was happening. Sure. Okay. Robert Townsend and Johnny underscore Quest. How are the injured ladies progressing? Is Bailey's finger affecting her hitting? And how is uh, Skyler doing after yesterday? Skyler seems fine. Right. She had a home run on the at-bat. I think she's good. After, after fouling off two two out of three pitches, fouled off in the same spot on her right foot or right ankle, that's got to hurt. It's tough. Yeah. But tough. they said, I just, I'm just i tired of this. I'm just going to end it. Want to go home. Bailey, I hadn't even thought about that. Now, she had the finger issue in clear water. Mm-hmm. It was on her catching hand. Yeah, so, so her left her hand. Left hand. Yeah. She had the fingernail come off and... You know, I looked into the stat. She is hitting much lower percentage-wise after three weeks this year than last year. Last year's mm. 341, 313 this year. Last year, 22 runs batted in, seven this year, four home runs last year, one this year. The big number, though, nine walks last year, 17 this year. That's yeah. the difference. She's not getting chances to hit yet. Right. And she's and they're facing much better competition. You're facing teams that are willing to walk her to face somebody else and they're able to accomplish that goal. Yeah. I think there were teams that Alabama played in the non-conference last year that wanted to walk Bailey Hemphill and accidentally threw a pitch that they could hit that, that she could knock out of the park. And I think that happened several times. So I think the fact that you're playing better competition has a lot to do with it. And, but to Alabama's credit, the rest of the team is, is coming yeah. along, is protecting her very well. Ultimately, teams are going to have to stop making this decision to not pitch to Bailey because you can't afford to pitch to KB Sides or Manny Morgan with people on base. I do think it is a little alarming. There were a lot of runners in scoring position chances when Bailey was not walked this past weekend where she would pop it up or ground out. It happened a couple times, yeah. A couple good defensive plays. But again, that I felt like we saw that a lot last year yeah. early on, and she'll come into it. Yeah, I mean, she's she's in a spot right now where she is getting one maybe one good pitch to hit every at bat. And if she misses that one, then that's it. Yeah. So, you know, she's just going to have to take better advantage of that one pitch. I don't think it's, I don't think it's an injury issue with her. 
Uh, I think she could be catching right now if she had to. Uh, but uh, thank goodness for Abby Dore. Thank goodness for Abby Dore. <laughs> for nu- numerous reasons. And finally, at UA Shane, if you could add any current NCAA player to Bama's roster, who would you choose? Oh, wow. He said Sis Bates, which I don't hate because then you can move Skylar back, back to, to second. second. Yeah. I kind of lean because I don't want to take anybody out, A, because some of them listen to this podcast. <laughs> B, I actually kind of like the way the lineup is set up, even you know with all the injuries happening. I would maybe want a scary left-handed pitcher, like a G. Juarez or a Brooke Yanez who's doing good work at Oregon, someone like that. Yeah. That seems to be the one thing missing that is not there at all. Right. Yeah. You would turn down Fremo if, if she was available? No, I would not. I would absolutely welcome her with open arms. Right. But that's almost, she's almost too good. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. That'd be three aces on one staff, which mm. great. Right. But also, how, how do you how do you manage the innings there? Yeah. With, with a with a lefty. Now, maybe G then is not a good enough example because she also would be an ace situation. But Yanez, the number two at Oregon. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a couple other good lefty, lefty. pitchers that I can think yeah. of. What do you think? Is there anyone you dad? Sis Bates is a great one. Yeah. Because like you said, you would move back Scholar to a more natural position uh, if that's available. Uh, who do you think is the best catcher in, in the nation, just overall? You know, I'll tell you what. The most impressive that I've seen so far is Alyssa Garcia at UCLA. And I know she's just a freshman, yeah. but she hits well and she's got a whip of an arm. Yeah. I would say, let's see, Oklahoma's got a good one. You know, Shellnut, when she gets healthy, she she's always pretty clutch, good leader. Shipman at you know Tennessee. yeah Shipman at Tennessee so may, may, maybe a an, a catcher just to, for depth purposes mm-hmm. and that way it's not all on Abby Dore right now you can make the same case for an outfielder too sure uh, with Alyssa Brown being out right now for the next couple maybe, of weeks maybe maybe Jordan from UCLA yeah yeah I don't know yeah I, it's an interesting that, question that's a fun question yeah I had not had not thought about that but it would have to be current you know. We're not. We're not adding, adding Monica Abbott. Or no, yeah. I would. Cat Osterman. Cat Osterman's in. Welcome, Haley McClenny. Welcome back to Roads. Oh, you know it's funny. We'll see them all this year. Yes, we will. Looking forward to that one. And that is us. Rounding third. Answering all your questions. Thank probably, you. Probably not well, but we answered. Yeah. Them. Hey, and if anyone <laughs> wants to send fun stuff like that last question, please do. That's we'll a good try question, and answer yeah. your strategy questions. But yeah, fun stuff's fun too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Speaking of fun. Let's get to more fun. Yes. Because it is time to head home off the wall and some clues. And also a quick shout out to some of the games coming up this weekend. All that coming up when we get back here on the Out of the Box Podcast. Welcome back. We're heading home here on the Out of the Box Podcast. Let's recap what we've done. We started at the plate talking about the Easton Bama Bash, which was, in fact, a bash. For Alabama, things went well. Good time was had by all. Yes. Except great. for Penn State. They probably didn't have a good time. No. Amanda Lahotek, their head coach, actually recently followed at out-of-the-box underscore pod. Oh. So welcome, Coach Lahotek. Yes. Big fan. We had many enjoyable conversations over the weekend on the phone and uh, everything that we did during the game with our coaching interviews. Then we advanced to first, tried to figure out what in the – Lord's name is happening in college what, softball. What in the Sam Hills going on? <laughs> Why? We don't know. And neither do you, which is the fun part of it. <laughs> no one does. It's It doesn't make sense. Hashtag nobody is safe. That's why the episode is named Nobody is Safe. Then we stole second, talked to Jen Schroeder, one of my favorite people to talk with always. She's awesome. Yeah, we'll have her back. Then we rounded third, did a mailbag. Now it's time to head home. 
real quick, looking at this weekend slate, a couple big games happening. You've got the Judy Garmin, which I looked at the full field pretty weak, actually. Only, you know, a couple good games a day. But Friday, you are highlighted by LSU in Washington and Texas in Washington, which is fun. Washington is playing quite the schedule. Yes. Well, look at what Texas is doing. Yeah, this I know. Week. They're playing UCLA Thursday. After they play Louisiana two times on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and then on Friday they play Washington. Saturday they play Michigan. So wow. have fun. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out how good they are now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, a couple other games uh, this weekend. Got a really good series down in Gainesville. Three games, all three days. Louisiana and Florida. Wow. What do you think? Early, early thoughts. Early thoughts on that. I would think I expect Louisiana to win at least one of those games. I think so too. Um, if Florida sweeps, we've got a we've got a story. Yeah, we got a problem. Yeah. in Gainesville, if that happens, it's quite a weekend for Louisiana. Quite an entire week for Louisiana too. Yeah. Man, to play Texas twice and then Florida. But I I think that's that's one of the things to watch this weekend is how many games do the Raging Cajuns take from the Gators? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's Louisiana's record the next time we are talking? That's right. interesting. Two more I would like to shout out. One, Arkansas finally playing good teams. They get Florida State. At home on Saturday as part of a tournament in Fayetteville. Okay. Be interesting. Yeah. And Minnesota is coming to Auburn to play huh. in the Tiger Invitational, oh, I believe, yeah. is this tournament. Mm-hmm. And they play Auburn Friday and Saturday. I'll be a big Gopher fan mm-hmm. for one of the few times. I wonder how it will go. It's it's cold. Yeah. They're going to be a lot more comfortable. But yeah. So that, that that fits right in for them. Uh, and I wonder what what your what is your thoughts if you're Auburn right now. Mm. Man, did UCLA hammer them? They did. Cat lost to Cal, lost a bad to Cal. Cal team. Right. They beat a Northwestern team that's five and nine this year. Right. But which, people, but you know, it was highly thought of in the pre yeah. in the preseason. They only lost two um, nothing to Arizona. They were within. They were they were tight with the right. Wildcats. So I yeah. don't know. Well, here's the thing, and call me a bammer or whatever you want to about it, but. When you look at the Auburn fan base, it doesn't really matter what the sport is. In general, again, this is a very general statement from a Bammer. But if the team isn't doing really well, the fan base just kind of abandons them mm-hmm. more than anything, which might actually work in Mickey's favor. It might. If the same thing was happening at Alabama, I mean, we've seen what the, the onslaught has been in Alabama's 9-5. and five. You know, flip that around. What what would be happening right now? Oh my gosh! It, it would be it would be total wasteland. We've had to fight through pitchforks right. just to get into the studio. <laughs> exactly. So, and that's not always the case at Auburn. Again, they just kind of don't talk about them if things aren't going well. Yeah. So that might be to Mickey's favor. I will say something I did not throw in when we were talking about possible coaching changes in the earlier episode this season. There is a thing between Alabama and Auburn where if one team's success happens amidst the other's failures, a change will be made. Mm -hmm. I am very certain that Avery Johnson was let go because a, the success was not happening. He wasn't getting the results in Tuscaloosa, but also because Auburn was right up at the top in the sec and would later go on to make a final four. And Alabama fans don't want that. No. You think Gene Chizik is fired two years after winning a national championship if Nick Saban's not tearing it up in Tuscaloosa? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, right. you're, so there is a connection here. Yeah. In a normal time, they'd be fine with what's going on with Gus Malzahn, but every other year they want to fire Gus because Alabama. Right. Hmm. So Alabama wins a second straight SEC championship. I wonder if that forces Auburn to make a change. 
if they are as bad as it looks like they could be. Right. Well, here's the other thing that might might actually work in Mickey's favor. Auburn has never been good in softball, like can, like at a sustained level. True. The only time that they were an elite program was when the Myers were there. Once that, anytime they have not been there, Alabama's haven't had no issue with them. They have been a doormat in the conference. So, does that thought process come in, or now that they've tasted that success, are they expecting it even without a Myers being there? I don't know. This I don't know. Just what, something to think of. Another question we will figure out right, as, as the season, the season goes, goes on. Yep. Yeah. It's time for off the wall, Tom. Oh, goodness. Would you like to kick things off? Do you have anything Alabama related from this week that you saw people saying, even though Alabama was winning? I didn't. I, I looked. I tried. Well, you folks hide it well. Well, and speaking of things being hidden, though, there were some comments that were made after Penn State scored their five runs in the first inning. And then they you know, miraculously disappeared as the game continued on. Hmm. Uh, Almost like a game of seven innings and you should wait and right. see what happens. See what happens the entire time. Or don't feel the need to just start bashing the team because they're losing it at some point that you're supposedly a fan of. Yeah. Maybe try that. If you are going to do it, have the guts to leave your, leave your comment up there. Don't delete it when it turns out. That you are flat out wrong. Yeah. Happens a lot of times. I will also get to one of mine before you get to some of the requests. And also one and another softball podcast brought up. A pitcher that is not pitching is not pitching because of strategy, because you've got a really good pitching staff, not because she's hurt. Right. I saw multiple comments. Is Sarah Cornell hurt? She must be hurt. Just like last weekend. Is Montana Fouts right. hurt? She must be hurt. Oh, she's not pitching? Something must be wrong. <laughs> right. No, it's because you've got other options. Right. Uh, I saw a lot of things, you know, talking about Kaylee Tao must be hurt. No. No. Actually. She's, she wasn't hitting well. Taylor right. Clark was. Boom. There you go. Right. Or, you know, or making the comment. This is the other one. It, it just makes no sense. If like You don't know. You obviously don't know. So why are we making the, like... You're not the coach. Let the coach make yeah. these decisions. And also, I saw this comment after the Louisville game on the second day. Mm-hmm. I said, where's Sarah? Well, I'm sorry. And no offense, Sarah, we love her. She's great, really talented. But what could she have done better against Louisville right. compared to what Lexi Kilfoyle did? Yeah. Kilfoyle shut him out. Right. And gave up, what, three hits? And you're also conditioning Lexi Kilfoyle to be able to pitch on multiple days, right. back-to-back days. It's, she's probably going to have to do that at some point during the conference schedule. There is strategy in the both in the short term and the long term being done that Patrick Murphy doesn't have to tell us about. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all in his head. You know, it's all in Stephanie Van Beckel Prothero's head. They're all, you know, this it is a it is a marathon, not a sprint. Alabama is working to be better and to hit their stride. In May, everyone will get it's their February. innings. It's going to be fine. And crazily enough, you can't pitch two pitchers at the same time. <laughs> it's it's weird how that works. Mm. But yes, we cannot. I would be pretty surprised if we don't see a hefty amount of Sarah Cornell this weekend. Sure, because I think it's just it's this going to be how it is. You're going to cycle everybody in and yeah. out. You've got the ability, and that to do doesn't that. mean somebody's hurt. It yeah. doesn't mean that somebody's in the doghouse. Doesn't mean any of that nonsense. Just means that's. The strategy we're going with. Yep. <sighs> and I think if anyone, for goodness sakes, if there's anyone who's earned the benefit of the doubt on strategic moves, it would be the Hall of Famer Patrick Murphy. Yes. It's not like it's never worked out before. No. Again, don't ask questions. Don't ask dumb questions in these Facebook posts, please. Right. Just make just it be, easy on us. I want to go through, even after this weekend, I want to go through one of these weekends for Alabama. That, like, you can't get a better weekend than what Alabama no. had. You had four run rules on the one that wasn't. 
was a shutout. Right. And one of the run rules, you were down five nothing and came back in a great atmosphere. Like it does not get better no. than that. And I still found stuff to add. Just be negative. Like why? Just 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 for no reason. Just just be positive. There's no reason not to be. Stop giving me content. Right. We want to not have to do this segment. Yes. Yes, I love the segment. It is a but very I don't popular want to have segment. To do it. Right. It's a very popular segment, but I wish there wasn't a need for it. Yeah. And yet there is. Yet we, there is. We, we had, had some requests. We had a request. Yes. We had someone come come up to us on Saturday and say, why is Oregon bragging about being undefeated? Have you seen their schedule? Ooh. And we said, okay. I mean, I, you know, yeah. yeah, we'd seen it. And this person said, talk about it on off the wall. Wow. Calling Ooh. out the ducks. Wow. Okay. So we'll bring it up. Oregon. We mentioned 14 and 0. Yes. Wins over Utah Valley. Mm. BYU. BYU's not eh, terrible, but yeah, you know, right. George Washington. No, yeah. it's not good. Nevada. Mm. Eh, they only won one nothing. Yeah. Long Beach. Eh, yeah, they beat Oklahoma. Right. So you go to Mexico to play that schedule. That's you think a bit if of you a have, problem. If you go to Mexico, at least play one good team. There was there were one decent marquee, teams there. Yeah, one marquee matchup. Apparently. Tennessee was there. Yeah, of course Tennessee probably didn't want to play them the way things are going. <laughs> No. Then you've got a tournament in Houston, twice against the Cougars. Shout out, Demi Turner. Uh-huh. And twice against Dayton. Dayton, as far as I know, is not good at softball. No, no. Houston's fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's their tournament. You can't really, yeah. you can't control who else gets invited to their tournaments. So I'll give them a little bit of a pass on that one. But still, I have not seen a tournament team yet. No. Maybe BYU. Maybe. Maybe. They'll probably be only because they'll win the West Coast Conference. Yeah. We'll see BYU in the T-Town Showdown. Yeah, we will. And then the Mary Nutter. Ugh. Yeah. Bethune Cookman, Mississippi State, yeah. Notre Dame, yeah. Idaho State, yeah. Northwestern. How do you go to the Mary Nutter and play that schedule? <laughs> Did they know who else was there? Right. That's, I think that's part of the main issue here with this Oregon schedule is you're playing in some pretty elite tournaments, but it's like you, you said, I don't want to play any of the other good teams here. It's literally the opposite of what Patrick Murphy said for the right. St. Pete Clearwater lead invitation. He said, I don't want to play any SEC teams. Otherwise, give me whoever. Yeah. I, this I, looks I think like he, a requested schedule. Right. He did request to want to play Washington and UCLA. Yes, he did. You're right. And then play anybody else as long as they're not in the SEC. Uh, it's like Oregon said the exact opposite. And Mississippi State, that's fine. They're gonna. I think yeah. they're still going to end up being a bottom four SEC yeah. team. Northwestern's okay. Yeah. But, yeah, not, not, a, not the – Murderers Row, Alabama's play. That's for no A and M's wishes they had this schedule. Yeah, after this weekend, <laughs> Auburn is jealous looking yes. at the opener against Bethune Cookman. Man, gosh, yeah. So fourteen and zero, a little bit of a grain of salt taken on that. We'll see how they do this week. They play some teams. Yeah, yeah, they do. My next one. Yes, shout out to our friends Lonnie Alameda and the FSU softball podcast coaches and coffee. They did a bit of an off-the-wall segment themselves. Oh, we yes. are trendsetters, Gray. Yes, we are. I doubt they took it from us because they never returned my tweets. But Wow. Yeah, Lonnie, come on. It's probably because she knew it was going to happen, and then <laughs> I'm actually kind of grateful at this point we didn't do a joint podcast. But Oh, wow, that would not have gone well. She said that she got told by some of her players, I'm not sure if it was actually Kaylee Mudge, the left fielder, if it was others, but people were getting in the DMs on Instagram of the girls after the loss to UCLA and after a tough one and four weekend at Clearwater. Oh my gosh. Which we have said on these message boards and social media platforms, if you mention a player specifically, you're in the wrong. If you deliberately 
go out of your way to contact this player and say, how could you drop that ball where she like sprinted into the <laughs> fence and it was the loudest player thud I've ever heard right. and dropped the ball, then you got something wrong with you. I don't care if it was a can of corn easy catch and she dropped it. You should never contact mm-hmm. a player via social media. That's one of the reasons why we do the off the ball anyway is even if you don't contact players, you know, they can read all these. <laughs> yeah. They have access and can look at the Alabama softball Facebook. And, and if they, I would not recommend them doing this, but they could look at the comments if they wanted to. Uh, so there's no, no reason to, to come at a player. If, if they make an error, I promise you, you, it didn't affect you as much as it affected them. It wasn't on purpose. I can tell right. you that. It That's why it's called purpose. an error. Right. Throw strikes. She's trying, <laughs> sir. She's thrown 150 pitches. <laughs> it's 85 degrees. It's very intense. Or 32 degrees. Right. That's not fun either. No. So yeah, that's that that's that's way out of out of bounds. No reason to contact. I got one more off the wall. It's not softball related. Oh, go for it. But this is my only outlet to be able to talk about. Please it. go yes. go right ahead, partner. Okay. So for you people that want to call Deontay Wilder Oh, here we go. A fraud or a horrendous boxer because he got beat by the best heavyweight in the world, Tyson Fury. Shut up, you're an idiot. You're a freaking moron. No one who is the world champion and has beaten several top 10 contenders to become world champion is a horrendous boxer. That's just stupid to say that. Now, is he the most technically sound heavyweight boxer in the world? No. Tyson Fury obviously is better than that. But it's heavyweight boxing. Everyone relies on their power in heavyweight boxing. You, for a heavyweight, you want to be able to knock out the other guy. You can't fight like... Floyd Mayweather as a heavyweight because you will eventually get caught and you'll be put to sleep. Yeah. So I have no problem with Deontay Wilder's fighting style, his boxing ability. He got beat by a guy that was a better man that night. He got rocked early on and couldn't come back. I think he actually fought with a lot of heart to still be upright in the seventh round when the TKO happened. I don't think there's any shame in losing to Tyson Fury. And I think he, I don't think his career is over by any stretch. But now for these people to have the 2020 hindsight and going back, well, I said, well, I, I knew that Tyson Fury was going to do this. From every, everybody that I heard, it was a 50-50 matchup heading in, prediction-wise. Mm-hmm. I heard just as many pick, people predict Deontay Wilder to win as Tyson Fury to win. And Fury won. Hats off to him. He was the better man. But it's not a reflection to say that you know, Deontay Wilder is somehow obvious, all of a sudden a terrible boxer because he lost to Tyson Fury. So when you have success, typically your performance and the success is more indicative of who you are and what type of person or player you are right. than in the occasional failure. Exactly. 100%. There we go. And these people are not machines. My, what? Yeah, I know. Wow. Montana Fouts is not a machine. Humans will have bad days, bad outings. That's, you know, sports wouldn't be fun if every, you know, if somebody just went out there and every time just dominated. Exactly. Exactly. Why is women's basketball falling a little bit behind the last couple of years, but now caught up a bit this season? Because now you got parity. Right. Last couple of years, you've had non-UConn teams win. People are now watching saying, oh, wait, right. if I watch this team actually could beat UConn. It really started with Mississippi State. Yeah. As soon as they made that shot, women's basketball changed. Exactly. Again. And now UConn is out of a top five. Right. So. And. 
Alabama is beating Mississippi State. Which, yes, shout out nine. Christy Curry. Great job. That was awesome. What a weekend to pull Alabama athletics out of the pit of misery. It was really good. I had women, women's basketball beat Mississippi State in Sartville. Men's basketball goes on the road and hammers Ole Miss. They hold on to the 20-point lead this time, which has been an issue this year, <laughs> but they, they get it done. Ba- baseball finishes a 7-0 start to the season with a sweep in, in Las Vegas against UNLV, and then softball with the, with the sweep in the Bama Bash 5-0. and Swimming did well yeah. this weekend. Uh, just good times. And, you know, compare that to Auburn losing. So it was just <laughs> good times had by all. It was. That was good. That's yes. off the wall. That's off the wall. I feel yeah. better. Yeah, the box box. Hope everybody else does too. I, I always feel better after we do the <laughs> off the wall segment. All right. Uh, before we go, we've got gear. I'm yes. actually going to bring it. My apologies to those that mm-hmm. asked me about it last weekend. Put it in the bag. Yes, like I know. Tonight. Uh, I'm going to. I really okay. should. Yeah. I will. We've got gear. We've got koozies. We will give them away. I've got five. Here's what you have to say. Walk up to our window, not during the game, not while we're talking, not while action is happening. Right. Come up and just say the word farcical (laughs) and you will get a koozie. Yes. That's it. Just say farcical. You'll get a koozie. Could could we say the way the season has gone? It's just been a farcical season. It has. Off the wall farcical. It's weird. Like the the whole, this whole podcast is just how the season's been. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody is safe. No. Including us. Nobody. Before we go, Tom, where can people find you? Uh, They can find me on Twitter at T Canterbury, R-T-R, C-A-N-T-E-R-B-U-R-Y, R-T-R. And uh, I'll try not to have to block you. That's happened. That'd be funny. <laughs> they follow you because of the show immediately block you. I actually got into an <laughs> argument today with someone who is a fan of the show and we, we resolve things. I did okay. not realize he enjoyed the show and I was getting a bit annoyed with this person. And then they oh. said, well, you do good work. I thought, oh, oh thanks. I, uh-huh. I hate, I was getting a bit snippy with it. Right. I'm at gray G R A Y underscore Robertson. You can follow the show at out of the box underscore pod. Tom will be on the air by himself on Wednesday. I'm sorry I'm gone to College Station for the women. It's okay. I will uh, I will give you a Bucky's order before you leave. Oh, good. Tonight. Yeah, I yeah. will. I'm going to Good Bull. I'm going to try and go to Bucky's. That's the plan. Right. If you go to uh, go to Good Bull, think of potato salad. I will. Yeah, I think I can because we're flying relatively quick. Yeah, okay. and we've got our own plane, so it's oh sweet. Be, yes, I believe. I don't know. Something could change, but anyway. Yeah. To hear you on Wednesday and to hear both of us back together yeah. this weekend at the Crimson Classic. Where do people have to go? Well, if you are in Tuscaloosa and you're listening over the air on the radio, 93.3 FM will have all of the coverage for you. And then uh, also, if you're listening to us online, not in this in the city of Tuscaloosa, because it's not the most powerful radio station. Uh, but if you go to RollTide.com on the Alabama schedule page, there's a listen live link. Click on that and you can hear each and every game there. Uh, also, there is a Praise 99.3 app that you can download. Just hit play and whatever's on the Praise will be what comes through that app. And if it's during an Alabama softball game, Alabama softball coming through. You'll hear us. Yeah. Or Tom. Right. Because I'm ditching a lot. (laughs) Because he's out. I'm really not around that much. That's it for us (laughs) here in the Out of the Box podcast. Thank you to Jen Schroeder. I feel like we had a good show tonight. It was a good time, man. Yeah. Yeah, I would love talking to Jen. And my favorite thing about Jen Schroeder, I think she's a little bit of a closet Alabama fan. I know. She said, she said, I'm not emotionally invested. And I almost said, just wait. Are you? Really? One of her best be. friends, Emily Pitek. Yeah. We are tight with her. Yeah. She loves Abby Dore. We're bringing her in. I don't think we'll ever totally get her out of the brewing bubble. No, that seems to that's be a impossible. thing. That's impossible. That's a thing. But, you know, we can, she can bring, bring her in as part of the U. Yeah. She can be an auxiliary member. An auxiliary <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> she gets into the first club level. I'm right. not sure we'll sure. take her back behind the curtain yet. <laughs> Thank you to Jen for joining us here on the Side of the Box podcast. That wraps things up. It's a big week for Alabama softball starting on Wednesday, 6 Central Time against UAB and going all the way through the Crimson Classic, including two blockbuster matchups with Arizona. Tom will have the coverage on Wednesday while I am in College Station, and then we'll be back together. Go pro at the ready. It's going to be fun. Gifts abound. Yes, all of you be there. I'm telling you, we need the rowdiest atmosphere at Road Stadium just because of the sport and the magnitude of this kind of game early on. I really think it will be. It's going to be a regional type atmosphere. It should be. Yeah. I think it will be. I think we'll see that play out. As always, thank you, loyal listeners, for your continued support of the show. We appreciate it. We love all of you. For Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson. We'll see you this weekend at the Roadhouse and next time here on Out of the Box. Mm-hmm.